1: What's up, Buffalo Fanatics? Josh Allen here. Just wanted to say, uh, go Bills. Oh, baby. Woo. What is up? Buffalo Fanatics. Z-Bot here with you. Live on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. Monday night, it can only mean one thing. It is the smoke break. So good to have you in on this last Monday of the month of January as we approach the month of February and Super Bowl 57. The matchup is all set. And of course, our Buffalo Bills won't be in it. We know that by now, but somebody's got to win the whole thing. And it's down to the Kansas City Chiefs (sighs) and the Philadelphia Eagles. Can you tell who I'm rooting for? Championship weekend in the books, AFC championship in the books, NFC championship in the books. One game was great, the other not so much. But they both went exactly how I expected it as far as the end result, not necessarily how we got there, but the two teams that I felt would leave championship Sunday victorious were indeed the two teams that wound up doing so. And I think out of the four teams that we saw on display yesterday, we got the best possible outcome for the Super Bowl Now that of course is up for debate. That is how I personally feel. But I think when you looked at the field yesterday, especially after what you saw happen to San Francisco out on the field. um, And then when you saw Cincinnati last year, you kind of wanted to switch things up, even if that meant the Kansas city chiefs, but I know I'm pulling for Philly Um, love the city of Philly love what they've done with this organization. Hell I'm jealous as all is, is, I don't even know. I couldn't be more jealous of the Philadelphia Eagles. They just know how to run an organization over in Philly. I, 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 we'll get into that throughout the show. It's it's truly remarkable. Um, but they're back again with a completely different team this time around to try and win another Super Bowl. Um, uh, they're second in what? The last, what is it? What year, what year are we now? What was that? Five years ago? Longer? Shorter? Who knows? Monday night, smoke break. Good to have you, in. I know we are now just over a week removed since the Bills' crippling loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. Hopefully, you took the week to decompress, put it in the rearview mirror. I know I did. The only problem is that it sprung its disgusting, hideous head once again yesterday. Yesterday, just when you thought you were over what had happened, last week against the Cincinnati Bengals, just when you thought you were going to be able to put it in the rear view and move on yesterday happened. And I know that I'm guilty of this I don't know how you guys are, but when I watch playoff games, post bills exit, I always look at them through the lens of what could Buffalo have done to have gotten here. And then what would they have done or what could they have done differently in this position in order to have moved on, right? Because you're so, I don't know, you're so wired to watch a game through the lens of a Bills fan. then of course, you're so heartbroken over the fact that they're not there. You can't help but think, okay, what would we have had to have done that this team is currently doing to have gotten here today? And then in order to get over the hump of Championship Sunday, what would we have had to have done on that particular outing to move on to the Super Bowl? That's how I watched it. I'm sure that's how a lot of you guys watched it, too, and there was a lot of glaring things that stood out on Championship Sunday that made you say, man, a lot of lessons to be learned here, and a lot of them impact the Buffalo Bills, how we view them, how we feel about them, and ultimately how they blend into the landscape of this league. This show was supposed to originally have been pre-recorded. Tonight I was supposed to have a we we called it Lobster Fest now I think we just stole that from uh red lobster. I think they're the ones who coined the Lobster Fest, but my girlfriend's dad Gary he, he's just he, he, I don't even know how to describe him. He, he's this if I, if you knew him this would make too much sense. We were supposed to have a guy, a guy, he just got a guy for everything. We were supposed to have a guy come over to my girlfriend's parents' house tonight with just buckets of lobster. Apparently, he knows some guy who just is a lobster guy. You know how it goes. You know, you you usually, you know, if you're craving lobster, you call up your lobster guy like, like anybody else would, right? But apparently, the lobster guy said that they are short on lobster. Apparently. The shipment from Maine didn't come in. So instead of eating lobster tonight, I'm eating corn ribs. Corn ribs. This was my cuisine for the evening, chefed up by my lovely girlfriend, Caroline, who had just had to have these. We were at Trader Joe's before the show started. So this is where my life's at, all right? I watched the Chiefs win yet, an- win yet another AFC championship. Their fifth consecutive appearance go to the Super Bowl again. Don't get to watch my bells. And now I'm eating damn corn ribs i mean what what is going on in my life but hey at least i'm here with you live tonight that is the silver lining of this whole thing what is a corn rib roy collins asked i don't know it's this i gotta tell you it's damn good if you like corn on the cob i mean it's no lobster but i could be your corn rib guy just like my girlfriend's dad has a lobster guy, I can be your guy's corn rib guy. Now, the life of John is coming in. He's saying, now that's poverty. You'd think, you'd think. A bag of these damn corn ribs is running you like $7.99. This is a luxury item right here. I mean, we're eating fancy over here. Look at this plate. Does this look like poverty to you? Good old plate Corn ribs as we sit here and dissect Mahomes' next Super Bowl appearance. Man, I am just riding high. But like I said, silver lining, I'm here with you live tonight. I was supposed to do this show pre-recorded, but the lobster guy didn't have any lobster. So here we are. While I have you here in the beginning, want to let you know that next Monday will be pre-recorded, but let me tell you why. I am super excited about this show. Could not be more stoked. So next Monday, I will be sitting down with one of the executive producers from the Action Network, Matt Mitchell. Now, I'm not sure how many of you guys are involved in the sports gambling community or if you bet on the games like I do. had an unbelievable day yesterday, by the way. I I hate talking about it because I don't like jinxing myself, but knock on wood, I had an historic day yesterday. Placed 14 bets and went 13 in one. So if anything could have possibly have made yesterday better watching the chiefs and the Bengals duke it out while the bills are sitting at home, it was the fact that I absolutely bagged up on it. I'll tell you that. But I digress. What I'm getting at is the action network is an app. You can download it now. If you're into the, uh, if you're into sports gambling, this is no, I'm not being paid to promote this. I'm not even trying to promote it. I am simply, well, I guess I am trying to promote it because it is, the greatest thing ever. If you are a sports better, the action network app is the coolest thing on the planet. It tracks all your bets. It gives you a million different bits of information on every game. You can follow other people. It's kind of like social media for sports gambling. It's awesome. Anyhow, they have a bunch of podcasts within the action network, including one of my favorites, uh, which is the the podcast is called the favorites. Uh, And He, Matt Mitchell, is the producer of the podcast, The Favorites, which is actually on Colin Cowherd's podcast network, The Volume. Um, So he is the producer of that show. I listen to it every week. It's one of my favorites, and I am having him on the smoke break next Monday. We're pre-recording it uh, in the middle of the afternoon, and we are going to be going into a deep dive on Super Bowl bets. So we're going to be talking about props, uh, You know, different things that he thinks is an interesting way to look at how to bet Eagles, Chiefs, uh, all the crazy bets that you can look into doing. I know I went on DraftKings last night. You can bet. I'm not even kidding you. You can bet on a kick hitting the crossbar or the upright. I think it's like plus six fifty. So you can you can bet a hundred bucks on a ball hitting the crossbar. On a kick, you'll you'll win six hundred and fifty bucks. I mean, that's the type of stuff you can bet on uh, in the on the Super Bowl. That's what's great about the Super Bowl. You can bet on the national anthem. You can bet on the coin toss. Hell, you can bet on the kick hitting the upright. Anyhow, I will be diving into all of that next week and much much more with Matt Mitchell. So do me a favor after this, if you um, are into the sports betting community or you know you're interested or you're going to be checking out the show next week. Regardless, when the show's over. Leave me a comment on YouTube in the comment section and leave me your questions that you want me to ask Matt Mitchell because I'm going to be doing a fan fan Q&A type thing because since we're not going to be live, I want to make sure you guys get your questions uh, answered. So going to be relaying a bunch of questions to Matt Mitchell as we talk about uh, betting on the Super Bowl should be a lot of fun. So that's next Monday pre-recorded, but it will be airing at 8 p.m. like it always does right here on the Buffalo fanatics YouTube channel. All right. So let's get into yesterday. Wow. Okay. So we had a real stinker of a first game and you know, as much as I am not a fan of the San Francisco 49ers, just because it, it, their fan base is similar to the Cowboys and the Steelers, at least from my perspective, where it's just the biggest bandwagon fan base of all time. I, I, I can't tell you how many people you see, out and about wearing like a San Francisco 49ers jacket or something. And those are the t- at least, and this is just purely my experience. Those are the people you go up to them and you say, Hey, man, uh, you know, what, what do you think of Brock Purdy? And they go, Who? I go, Dude, your quarterback. Oh, no, I just got this at the Goodwill. I thought, it lo- I, thought it was- I was out thrifting with my girlfriend. I thought the jacket looked cool. And I'm like, Come on. As much as I am not a gigantic fan of San Francisco, I am a fan of Kyle Shanahan. I am a fan of Christian McCaffrey. And hell, how could you not be a fan of what they put together this year with the cards that they were dealt? Getting all the way to the NFC Championship with a third-string rookie quarterback. They, they just put all of their assets together and wound up building one of the best teams in the league. And to watch it go awry the way it did yesterday, I mean, it just completely fell apart. It just absolutely collapsed million different injuries. It felt like every snap somebody was going down. This just in today, Brock Purdy's got to get uh, work done on the injury that he suffered yesterday. He's going to miss six months. So they quite literally lost four quarterbacks throughout the season and somehow made it all the way to the NFC championship. And you got to think if fully healthy yesterday, that would have been some sort of a game, but it, it was essentially over from the beginning. The Eagles way too good. San Francisco did not have the ability to overcome that many obstacles within the game. So that game was just almost, it was, it sucked. Let's just, let's just say it like it is. I mean, it was terrible. That game was over from the beginning. The odds were of course stacked against them to begin with, like Cameron Hayes is coming in here and saying no rookie quarterback has ever went to the Super Bowl. There's a reason for that. And that's why, of course, I had Philly winning yesterday. But I did think with San Francisco's defense, as well as they've been playing all year long, they could kind of suppress that rookie presence that Brock Purdy was eventually going to show, you'd think. But he didn't even get the chance to rise to the occasion or even implode. He got hurt. He threw four passes the whole game, I believe. And like I said, that game was just over from the beginning but you got to give a lot of credit to the San Francisco 49ers for getting that far with, with what they were dealt. And I understand that they have an incredible team as far as personnel is concerned, but any team, no matter who's on that roster who can get that far with that many obstacles at the quarterback position is quite impressive, but the Philadelphia Eagles laid it on them. They showed you why they were the last team in the NFL this season to lose a game. I think towards the end of the year when Jalen hurts got a bit banged up there, we were starting to lose faith in these Philadelphia Eagles. We we thought they were starting to come back to earth. Uh, This is when Gardner Minshew came in and we were wondering, well, you know, are they really as good as their record showed? We've seen teams in the NFC, You know, kind of like the Minnesota Vikings, where at times it just felt fraudulent, but we knew Philly just had an unbelievable roster, absolutely loaded. How was that going to hold up in the playoffs? Now, they've had a very favorable schedule. You can't argue it. They played the Giants, who they've whipped, um, you know, earlier in the year. It's a divisional foe. They know them well. Plus, if you look at the personnel matchups between the Eagles and the Giants, it completely favors the, the, the Philadelphia Eagles in every capacity. And you saw that on the field in the divisional last week. They trounced him. But then yesterday, you know, they could have they, they could have found a way to play down to their opponent despite the injuries for San Francisco, and they did not. They rose to the occasion, and they buried him. I mean, they'd never let their foot off the gas, and they completely whopped the San Francisco 49ers, and they deservingly are moving on to the Super Bowl. And then, of course, last night, the game of the day. The game of the day. It was an extraordinary – if you're going to get an AFC championship with the Chiefs in it, 9.9 out of 10 times the game is going to be lights out one for the books. It's going to be an instant classic. And that is exactly what it was. That game was wild. There were some sequences in that game that were just beyond anything I've seen play out on an NFL football field before. And it wound up culminating in a crazy finish that favored the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I don't know how you guys felt yesterday. Obviously, you're not rooting for anybody, but you gotta you got to pull for somebody to make the Super Bowl, I guess. And I think after all the talking that the Bengals did this past week, it felt like the vibe amongst Bill's Mafia was that the rooting interest was leaning towards Kansas City. That's at least how I felt. And I can't, I can't lie to you. It just felt like it was a perfect opportunity for KC to prove that, hey, Cincinnati, you've beat us the last three times. We're the only team who – uh, this is the only team that Mahomes hasn't had his way with. To be frank, Burroughs gotten the best from the last three outings. It just felt like it was time for them to rise to the occasion. That's exactly what they did. So there, there's your matchup for the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks here. It is the Eagles. It is the Kansas City Chiefs. But as we watched yesterday, as I said at the top of the show, as we watched yesterday, if you're like me, you watched watch that game through the lens of a Buffalo Bills fan. And you looked at it and you said, wow, this, this team is is." this much better than the Bills because of this, or, oh, you know, if the Bills had done this against the Cincinnati Bengals, maybe they'd be the ones, you know, maybe they'd be the ones playing yesterday. A lot of things came through my mind. So I thought today, as we break down what we saw yesterday and as we pursue the Super Bowl, why don't we look at yesterday through the lens of a Bills fan and break down the lessons learned from Championship Sunday as a Bills fan? Now, I think there was a lot of things that I learned yesterday as a Bills fan, and I think that is why the wound was reopened yesterday. I would say not necessarily during the Eagles game because it's the NFC. It just doesn't really matter as much, of course. The wound was seismically reopened for me during the Chiefs and Bengals game. And there were a lot of things that I took away from both games, Mostly the Kansas City game, but there's some things I took away from both games that really had me thinking as a Bills fan about the future and, of course, about the way that this season ended. So let's talk about the variety of things that we learned yesterday. Let's start from the top. The first thing that I think we learned, and it was probably the most obvious, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL, and frankly, it's not close. We have these debates nonstop, you know, Allen or Mahomes. And then, of course, when Burrow starts to get involved, it's Burrow or Mahomes. And then people will have the argument, hey, it's uh, Justin Herbert and Mahomes. And then Trevor Lawrence will have a great weekend. Oh, it's it's Trevor Lawrence, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. It's not close. Josh Allen physically, right? As far as athletic attributes are concerned, there's no one like him. He's an absolute alien. He's a freak of nature. I've, I've coined him on this show as a mutant. He's a guy that you would find with Professor X and Wolverine and, and the, the whole X-Men gang. I mean, quite literally not from this planet as far as an athletic specimen is concerned. But when you take a look at Patrick Mahomes at the quarterback position and what he was able to accomplish yesterday – Off an injury that usually sidelines it for a few weeks, or at the very least takes a few weeks to fully heal. We watched yesterday Patrick Mahomes do what we are just unable to do when we get into the playoffs, and that is find a way to win. Patrick Mahomes yesterday showed us that the gap between the Bills and the Chiefs is not necessarily as glaring as personnel is concerned, but more so in the way that they find ways to get it done in, in the moments in which it seems like all hope is lost, right? The, the the Kansas city chiefs yesterday stalled out multiple times in the red zone. Patrick Mahomes flat out drops a snap and fumbles the ball away. They give the Cincinnati Bengals numerous opportunities to not only take the lead, but, really win the game. And yet somehow yesterday, I watched Patrick Mahomes make two or three throws off of his basically disintegrated leg that he could barely stand on. And you're sitting there watching this and you're, and you're just like, how, how does this guy keep getting away with this? Right? And then you see Travis Kelsey usually on the receiving ends of these things and you're like, how is he always that wide open? How do they always find a way? Now, when I talk about Mahomes being the best quarterback, I'm not talking about necessarily arm strength like Allen, the ability to run, the athleticism like I just mentioned. I'm simply talking about, let, let's let's put it like this. Yesterday, when the game is tied, did you ever feel for a moment that when the, when the Chiefs got the ball back that they weren't going to win the game? There's times with Allen that we feel that way, right? But I can't, I don't think we can confidently say the way that this offense has been operated this past season. I don't think that we can confidently say whether it's Allen's whether it's Allen's fault or not, that's that's irrelevant. You gotta look at you gotta look at it from the grand scheme of things. It's the combination of Mahomes and Andy Reid that you see on display yesterday that gives you the supreme confidence. Patrick Mahomes is not only the best quarterback in this league, but he's also in the best position to have his just unworldly traits as a quarterback, his IQ, his decision-making, et cetera, he is in the best possible position for all of those traits to be fully taken advantage of. So you see yesterday that despite the injury, he comes into that game against a team that the Bills just got destroyed against and finds a way. So I think that that was, it stood out to me because we have now watched, I don't think we quite realize what we're watching here. And I know as Bills fans, this is really tough to swallow. It sucks. But I mean, what we're watching here is unprecedented. This is now five straight, five straight AFC championship appearances. Moving on to his second or his third Super Bowl before he's 27. The chance to win two before 27. The Bills have been great throughout this time. But it, it's the, the the comparisons here are just not there. And they're not there with with the with the Bengals either. I mean, that's done. Yeah, the Bengals did beat them yet last year, right? The Bengals did beat them last year. They have that over the Bills, of course. They beat them in the big one. The Bills couldn't. But we got to stop trying to draw these comparisons because they're just it's just grasping at straws here. This team is in the midst of a dynasty. And I think the, the sooner we come around to realizing that we're just not there until we're proven otherwise, the easier it's probably going to be to swallow. Because this team just finds a way. No Tyreek kill, no problem. Mahomes banged up, no problem. Travis Kelsey game time decision, no problem. Every single year, five straight years, the year where Mahomes had to miss multiple games in the regular season. Uh, every five straight years of an AFC championship appearance all at home. I mean, they are in the midst of an absolute all-time run here. And yet every year, even including this year, I mean, this is what kills me. This is what kills me. We come into this season as the Super Bowl favorites, and I'm and, and like Amicus is saying here, he's talking about the Kool-Aid. I was drinking the Bills Kool-Aid this year. Mahomes is not better than Allen, what the FZ bot, watch tape. I mean, Amicus, I I don't know what to tell you here. I I don't know what to tell you. If you're talking about from an athletic standpoint, if you're talking about from an absolute creature standpoint, I agree with you. I don't know where you're coming in here right now telling me I'm drinking Kool-Aid. The Kool-Aid's been served up to us on a silver platter. We've just watched these guys make five straight AFC championships, three Super Bowls in five years. How is that drinking Kool-Aid? It's jealousy. It is jealousy. You gotta come around to, to just accepting it. I'm jealous is all hell. I'm jealous. I tweeted out yesterday after after you know, Travis Kelsey just legendary exposure. Of the uh, uh, just legendary, uh, I don't even know the right word to say it. I've never seen anything like it. Putting on blast the 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 Cincinnati mayor, and I'm sitting here thinking, oh my god, I can't believe this right now. I, I I there there is no one in the league that I just frankly despise more than Travis Kelsey, and I tweeted out. I said, am I actually liking Travis Kelsey right now? And somebody tweeted back at me, and they said, uh. You ever wondered why we actually hate the Chiefs or Mahomes or Kelsey? And it's a great point. There really is not a whole lot of bad things that you could pot. There really is anything bad that you can say about Travis Kelsey, about Patrick Mahomes. I love Andy Reid. You can't say anything bad about Andy Reid. Uh, and then the Chiefs, is there a lot to, to really say, oh, they're, they're, I don't like him. It's not, what they did with the, it's not what the Bengals did this past week. The answer is really no. I flat out responded and said, the reason I can't stand any of them is because I'm jealous of the success here. I'm jealous of their ability to do what I have always wanted to see as a fan from my team. That's where the hatred comes from. Now, back with the New England Patriots, Belichick is very unlikable. Brady, it, with, all the, with all the scandals and all the, uh, the, just the stuff that you were kind of, you were kind of forced into just thinking that the Patriots were the evil empire, which of course they were. They were under Brady and Belichick. It was the evil empire. They were the most hated team by far from any fan base, perhaps, you know, not including the NFC, right? But there seemed to be reason to have that hatred for the New England Patriots. There really isn't for the Chiefs. It's just that we cannot come to grips with the fact that it's got to be just a dash of je- a jealousy. And I, I got to be there, I, I, and I'm the first to admit it. I couldn't be more jealous. The 13 seconds, finding a way to win that, how? Yesterday, down almost every starting wide receiver, Mahomes hurt, Travis Kelsey, a game-time decision. You lose Tyreek Hill this last season. They're better this season than they were without, with, with him. It's It's remarkable. It's remarkable. And I think that we just saw yesterday that the, the teams that are, that are set up to take advantage of this window that they're in, which the Bills are currently in their window, they are absolutely taking advantage of it. So that leads to my next point. What did we learn? Well, we learned yesterday that the coaching gap between the Bills and the teams that are moving on is probably way wider than we were willing to admit, at least throughout the regular season. I talked about this a bit last week. The Bills won so many games this season that we we were often blinded to, to addressing the issues that were at hand. We were blinded to really looking ourselves in the mirror and saying, man, this team is not playing well. And then when you get your ass handed to you in the playoffs at home against a team you were a touchdown favorite, against then all of a sudden not only are you looking in the mirror but you you're you're absolutely it's like an epiphany but the sad reality is that it was there all along and yesterday what you see is that the team in the Kansas City Chiefs and this goes back to when I say Patrick I don't know why everybody everybody gets all offended by this by the way when you say Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL right now, why is that a bad thing to say? You have to take into consideration everything that goes into it. He is. I see a lot of comments coming in here saying it's, it's scheme. It's Andy Reid. Yes, but he has that. So in turn, it allows him. It allows him to be the best in the league. That matters. Right. You're not going to reach your true potential unless you have the assets at your disposal to help you get there. Patrick Mahomes has every asset in the world. So to say that – I you, you mean, you can have the argument all day, but when you get down, to, when you get down to, to fit and then the ability to take advantage of that fit, I mean, I don't even know how we're even having the argument anymore. I don't know how we're having the argument. And it's this isn't a knock on anybody. Josh Allen, I mean, we, we're gonna go, we're gonna look back forever from now, right? And we're gonna say, man, like, was there anybody like Josh Allen before? And he's gonna be one of the first of many that you'll see throughout the future here, right? You're gonna be you're gonna see a you're gonna see a plenty of guys throughout the league as we go, as we get older here that are similar to Josh Allen. Why? Because everybody's gonna try to go out and get one. Hell, we saw Kyle Shanahan trade all the way up to get Trey Lance because it seemed like he had a possibility to potentially be Josh Allen. He's changed the league. This is no knock on Josh Allen. He is a top three quarterback in this league. No debate. And when you, when you want to get down to athleticism, right? When you want to get down to a guy who is the ultimate franchise guy, the face of the franchise, a guy that has the the most heart out of any guy I've ever seen. Yes. Josh Allen, Josh Allen, Josh Allen. But when we're talking about a situation right now where not only do you have the perfect fit, the perfect coaching, the perfect personnel surrounding you, and then you have a guy who's also a generational talent, the debate is not there anymore. The debate is not there. Now, what I will say is if Josh Allen was in that same situation as Kansas City is, then we'd probably be having this same conversation, but completely flipped. Right? Probably. Probably but you have to remember all of those things matter. Tom Brady isn't winning as many championship rings as he did if he didn't have Belichick, but we don't sit here and discount the fact that he did have Belichick, right? We don't sit here and discount the fact that he had multiple all time tight ends. We don't sit here and discount the fact that they had some of the greatest defenses to ever play in the NFL. It all culminated into making him the greatest quarterback that's ever played. All of the things surrounding Patrick Mahomes are helping culminate him to currently being the best quarterback in the NFL. So this relays into my next point. And that, of course, is how noticeable the coaching gap was yesterday. And this is what needs to be addressed in order to be able to sit here and have a legitimate argument about Josh Allen being the best quarterback in the NFL. Right? He's not his skill set is not being taken advantage of the way we see yesterday with Patrick Mahomes, right? Or the way we see yesterday with a second-year coach in Nick Sirianni taking advantage of what he has at his disposal in Philadelphia. You saw the gap, and it's seismic. What we learned yesterday is the excuses that we keep piling on one after the other after the other, all these excuses that we're piling to the ceiling, that's exactly what they are excuses we learned yesterday that we are we and this is what we've been doing this whole past week maybe you personally haven't but collectively as a fan base this is what we've been doing the whole past week excuses fire ken dorsey fire leslie frazier fire sean mcdermott i've seen fire brandon bean i've seen everything you could possibly imagine i've seen it all yesterday yesterday Patrick Mahomes comes in basically on one leg. Travis Kelsey was a game-time decision with a back injury. Kadarius Toney goes down in the first quarter, and by the time the fourth quarter rolled around, Patrick Mahomes was throwing to wide receivers I had never even heard of before. The leading receiver yesterday for the Kansas City Chiefs was Marquez Valdez-Scantlin. I mean, what? What? If you had a, a free thousand dollars to bet yesterday and say, "Okay, this guy is going to lead. This guy going to lead the day in receiving yards," that's who you're going to pick, right? Unbelievable. There, no one's making excuses there. Nobody's making excuses there. The biggest excuse right now, the biggest excuse right now, is that Josh Allen doesn't have enough weapons. Josh Allen doesn't have a run game. Josh Allen doesn't have Uh, the proper coaching, et cetera. I get all of it. I get it. But yesterday, the Chiefs ran for 40 yards. The Chiefs ran for just over 40 yards that whole game. Almost every starting wide receiver was injured. Patrick Mahomes was injured. And the best tight end in the league, Travis Kelsey, he was injured. And yet they still found a way. They still found a way. And I think a lot of that has to do with coaching. So I see someone coming in here. Who was it? Let's see here. And I saw all right here. Scott Blaser coming in here. He's saying, so what do you suggest you about no changes to coaching? No, that's not what I'm suggesting. I'm just saying that we can't completely blame all these other factors and we can't keep stacking up these excuses. When you just watched the team yesterday, like the chiefs who had all those excuses that they could have used, right? They still found a way. And even if they didn't find a way yesterday and they didn't win, that game was competitive to the final snap. The bills got their ass kicked. They're ass kicked against that exact same team. I'm not saying that you don't make changes. I'm not saying that you don't do everything in your power to become the best franchise you could possibly be. I mean, who the hell would deny that? I'm just saying all we've done this last week is build up excuses as to why we got our ass kicked. Meanwhile, the team who had a lot of those same excuses yesterday not only kept the game competitive throughout, they won the game. You, you, you can have it both ways. You can have, you can have a situation where you want to make changes, where you should make changes, but you also have to look at it and say, is that the entire reason as to why things went the way they did? But I think it's a combination of everything. I think it's a combination of everything. We saw yesterday a team is able to overcome those excuses, and they're able to do so because they have the coaching in place to get him there. Now that doesn't necessarily mean, Hey, you go and bail on Sean McDermott. I am not in that camp yet because I look at this league and think the grass isn't always greener. Everybody wants to go and fire everybody after a game like last week. They want to just can everybody. The problem with that is you get involved in this coaching carousel where you continuously chase your own tail, trying to find the next great guy. And meanwhile, what you had what you had in place was probably the best opportunity to get it done at this current moment. Think I've seen people calling out saying, "Fire Brandon Bean." You want to fire Brandon Bean in the midst of what they've built, bring in a whole new GM, right, and then take what he's built and try to pick all the pieces up together. Do you pick all the pieces up and rebuild? I mean, do you see that happening? Do you see that rebuild happening? In a more efficient manner with somebody else. I personally don't. Now, with Sean McDermott, a brutal exit, right? A brutal exit. I personally believe if that same thing happens this coming season, if this same thing happens this coming year, where they either don't make the playoffs, which would be absurd, they don't make the playoffs, or they get bounced in a brutal way like they just did to to Cincinnati. The the seat's on fire, that's the reality. But right now, I just don't think it is. This team is way too good. This team won thirteen of sixteen games played this year, plus a playoff game. I know it was beyond unimpressive, the win against Miami, and even more unimpressive in the trouncing against Cincinnati. But I don't think that that calls for a blowup. But what I am saying is, when you do look at the gap in coaching here between Kansas City and Buffalo, and to me, it is beyond noticeable. What that says, is I, don't, I don't blow it up right now, but I do know going into this season, you got a lot to prove. That's how I look at it. No, to me, nobody's job is safe this coming year. Nobody. It's all going to depend on what the outcome of next season is. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you go and win the whole thing. I've never been that type of person to believe that. I've never been a guy to think you have to go and win the Super Bowl in order to keep your job or you have to go and uh, you know you have to go undefeated in the season or, or whatever. I, I, I hate when people said un, unobtainable uh, unobtainable goals in order to keep somebody's job or uh, what have you. You see it all the time. What I'm saying is you can't go out next year and either not make the playoffs or get blown off the field at home against the team that you were a touchdown favorite against. That's where I'm at. So I think what this was yesterday was a, was another gigantic reality check, another gigantic look in the mirror, because if I am, you know, say they, say they keep Frazier out of everybody, right? He seems to be the one person. He seems to be the one guy that everybody wants gone. And then I would say right up next to that would be Ken Dorsey. If I'm those two guys and they do stick around, I think that they are well aware of the fact that this coming year is pretty much do or die. It's do or die. I don't know if it's that, it's to that extent with Sean McDermott just yet, but I definitely, I am definitely of the belief that the seat is way warmer than it's ever been. And if it ends the way it did this year, next year, I mean, what what, what more could you possibly I don't know. It it, it leaves me dumbfounded because it's a really tough position to be in. I I personally do not think that just blowing up this management, I I just don't think that that is – I just don't think that's the answer. But on the same foot, it's just I saw what, what happened yesterday. All I can say is you have got to learn something from yesterday if you're this coaching staff and you're this management. You absolutely have to. Abby's making a great point here. At the worst, end the season like the Bengals just did, then everyone is saying, see, exactly. Had the Bills gone out, and I, I've said this multiple times: had the Bills gone out against the Cincinnati Bengals last week and fought a you know, lost a hard-fought battle down to the wire, exactly like yesterday was. The Chiefs could have lost that game as easily as the Bengals did. Had the Bills have lost a game like that, nobody would be calling for anybody's job, right? Nobody would be questioning. Really anything, I don't think. But this is what happens when you lose a game like that. Everything just completely implodes. I mean, look at this fan base over the past week. It's just been nonstop clamoring to do the most extreme. And it's tough because I do understand the sentiment. You want change and you want whatever you think. You don't know what to think, so you just want whatever possibly could be the solution. I just, I don't think anybody knows what that is right now. What I do know is that it's possible to overcome all of these obstacles, all these excuses that we've been piling up, but they got to find a way to do it. And I think that this coming year, I mean, this is, this is, this is like, you got to think you're at bat and this might be your third strike. This might be your third strike because you've proven now that in the big games, you either lose in the most pivotal moment, with those 13 seconds running a scheme on defense that is just beyond comprehension and then the following year you lose in a way that nobody could have fathomed as super bowl favorites getting the doors blown off you so now what's the answer to that you've shown that you lose the close one and now you show that you're susceptible to getting absolutely blown out mike's mike's coming in here saying that's the point these coaches don't learn Look at Frazier's pass de- passive defense. He didn't learn from the thirteen seconds. I am not entirely against that at all. The, the 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 moving on of Leslie Frazier. I I just don't know. I don't know. It's so odd, is it not? The the Leslie Frazier situation is so odd. How can this defense year after year? And this is what is this is why I have such a hard time saying, "Oh, we got to fire Leslie Frazier," right? Is the next guy you bring in going to be as good as Leslie Frazier has been the entire time he's been with the Bills during the regular season? And then, of course, follow that up with an even better coaching performance in the postseason. So not only do you need to have somebody come in and be a much better postseason defensive coordinator, you also have to have him follow, follow up Leslie Frazier's tremendous track record in the regular season. This Bills defense under Leslie Frazier has been top five in just about every category. The last couple of seasons, what blows my mind is how do you get to the playoffs? And that just evaporates. That's what's crazy to me. And then that's what makes this situation, especially for guys like me and for all of us, that's what makes this situation so much harder because it's impossible to fathom how you could find somebody who's, who's better really in the regular season or just as good. And then find somebody else who's also twice as good in the, in the post season. They're not just growing on trees. The crazy thing is, though, it's not like Leslie Frazier is consistently bad. He's tremendous in the regular season. This defense, despite injuries and what have you, they have found a way to be towards the top of the league in majority of the main categories. They get to the postseason, and I just don't get it. I don't get it. And so if, if Leslie Frazier was going to be judged on his postseason performance alone, I completely understand the fire Frazier right? I completely understand that sentiment and why I've seen it being tweeted out 5,000 times a day since last Sunday. I get that. The problem is, is that, is there going to be somebody that you hire tomorrow? Cause you don't fire somebody without the answer already on deck. And is that answer readily available right now to come in and coach this defensive unit to being one of the best defense in the league during the regular season and then get into the postseason and be the complete answer? That's what makes this so tough. Namdi's coming in here saying, you won't if you don't search. I think it'd be probably, I I think it would be ignorant to think that they're not constantly searching for a better solution everywhere, right? Don't you think so? Don't you think that this, this regime is constantly trying to look for better? The problem is it's not just as easy as, it's not it's not as easy. At least this is, this is how I feel. I don't think it's as easy as just looking at the body of work and then saying, "Okay, we fire, we are firing Leslie Frazier because of the game against the Bengals." Because if I am Brandon Bean, right, I'm sitting, I'm sitting down, right, or if I, if I'm, if I'm talking, if I'm Brandon Bean, and I'm thinking about Leslie Frazier and Ken Dorsey. I'm doing my you know, assessment of the of the past season here. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, something really did feel off. It really did. Yet this offense ranked near the top of the league in scoring. And this defense in most major most of the main categories ranked towards the top of the league as well. So I have that. Yet when I get to the postseason, it, it, it's like, it, it, I said this last week on the show, it, it's like imposters are out there. Now, last year, you could, you could mainly put that on Frazier and McDermott, I think. A lot of people did, including myself, with the 13 seconds. You really couldn't put much on the players, especially the offense. The problem was last week, not only did the coaching staff look like imposters, the entire Bills roster did too. That was what was the most disheartening. Ugh. But did it not just feel like yesterday as you watched the Chiefs win that game, being backed into a corner where it just felt like, you know, despite getting a lot of help from the ref, so it seemed. They had a lot stacked against them yesterday, and they found a way to win against a team that just put us in a, in our graves last week. And that's why, I mean, I, I got, I, I, I've, I don't know. I, I've passively seen some comments in here. Coming at me a bit. That's fine. That's fine. We're all entitled to our own opinions, and that's why I love this because it's, a, it's an open platform to everybody to express their thoughts and for everybody to – I mean, and whether you feel one way or the other, we're all pissed. We're all pissed, right? It doesn't really matter. But to, for me to say that what we saw from the Chiefs yesterday does not make I – mean, for, for me to say that me watching what the Chiefs did yesterday and then taking that and thinking, man, I mean, this team is just on another level. I, I don't necessarily know how that is is some hot take. It's it just, it's not. I'm trying to be as realistic as I can, because I think if we're being honest with ourselves, would we not want the exact outcome that the Chiefs have had every single year the last five years? Would we have not have signed up for that? Because in this window with Josh Allen here, which I keep saying, and you know it's true, it's not going to be open forever. These things close quicker than you think. And within this window, with Josh Allen, the most we have to show for it up until this point is one AFC championship appearance where, frankly, the the game was never close. Within Patrick Mahomes' window, they've played five consecutive AFC championship games at home. They're on their way to their third Super Bowl with a chance to win their second. Would we have not signed up for that? And that's why it's disheartening because I, I, when I'm talking earlier about Patrick Mahomes being the best quarterback in the league, and I, I have to constantly do this because I understand it's always about trying to protect Josh Allen and, and how we feel. I mean, if you don't think I love Josh Allen, you, you don't tune in here. I mean, I absolutely love Josh Allen. I am talking about the culmination of everything and then how that has allowed Patrick Mahomes to become the best quarterback in the league. And it sucks. It sucks. Because I know that Josh Allen is a top three quarterback. And on any given Sunday, he can easily look like the best quarterback, not only in the league, but one of the best that's ever played. If you watch... Both games last year in the playoffs, if you watch the the Patriots game or the Chiefs game, right, and you you never watched Josh Allen before, and you watch those two games back to back, you'd think to yourself, who the hell is that guy, right? We have seen Josh Allen come out and play some of the greatest football we have ever seen. The problem is, I don't think he's put in a position to be able to play his best football On a consistent basis, the way Patrick Mahomes is, because we saw yesterday, despite him being injured or despite him losing multiple starting wide receivers, despite Travis Kelsey being banged up, whatever, the system that he's in and then the way he operates that system, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. And if you've noticed, and this is what has helped propel, uh, in my opinion, at least, this is what has helped propel Mahomes to win the MVP this year. It has gone from Mahomes having to do what Allen used to do, right? And that is just run the whole show. Be the guy who wins you the game every week. That's what Mahomes was. Of course, that's what Josh Allen is now. But if you've noticed, especially since the departure of Tyreek Hill, this Chiefs team has found ways to make it so it's not the Patrick Mahomes show every single snap. They do a great job of scheming up short routes. Isaiah Pacheco yesterday is a great example. Four out of the last five games, Isaiah Pacheco has had less than two catches in a game. Yet yesterday, knowing what they were going up against, a great D in Cincinnati, and then knowing that Mahomes was not going to be able to move around as as well as he usually does, they schemed it up to get him, what, five receptions? He had multiple receptions yesterday and a big impact on that game through the air uh, in short yardage scenarios, short passing scenarios, high percentage plays. Whereas for the Bills... I don't think they they scheme up getting the ball to James Cook nearly enough when you drafted him to be a pass catching back and then Naheem Hines who you who you bring in midseason to be a pass catching back he doesn't even see the field on offense. So that's where I go back and say it's easy to say for it's easy for me to say Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league because he has the opportunity to do stuff just like what I'm talking about here. Dump down Isaiah Pacheco 20 yards, right? it puts him in a situation to be able to succeed. Whereas with Josh Allen, how often do we ever see anything schemed up to just be thrown over the middle? Now, I don't know if he's just neglecting it. I've seen plenty of plays to prove that he does neglect that at times. But I think with Andy Reid, it's just something that you, and and this is back to my point earlier, where you don't want to just go fire guys because you you hope the next great genius is, is laying around. There's one Andy Reid in this league. He's the best offensive coach maybe ever on a very short list, if not the best. So it just when you combine that with Patrick Mahomes yeah of course you're going to see some of the best quarterback play we've ever seen before I mean it is it is just a perfect a perfect blend and it and it makes you wonder you know could what could Josh Allen be if we could just find a way to unlock that and I think that's why this year is so pivotal because you know what you have you know what you have We saw it last week third and two right third and two the Bills dial up all four verticals to Gabe Davis, a 40-yard bomb on like third and two. I just don't think Andy Reid's calling that up. And even something like that, you don't have to be an offensive genius to figure that one out. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about a situation where he's just not putting in a situation to succeed. Whereas I think Andy Reid says, hey, you know, you, you, you dial up Isaiah Pacheco on a little out route here on, on third and two, get the first down, keep the game alive or scheme up a million different ways to get Travis Kelsey open because there's nobody within 50 yards of the guy ever. Get him the ball, move the sticks. And I know it's easy to say, well, he's got Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I know. And, and watching Travis Kelsey, it, it, is the most, it is the most mind-numbing thing ever as a fan of a team, not the Chiefs, because it blows my mind how no team has ever, and I'm starting to think we'll ever find a way to cover the guy. So it's easy to say, well, he's got, you know, Travis Kelsey. But I think what we learned this year is how great of a coaching staff the Kansas City Chiefs truly have because a lot of people, not me, but a lot of people thought this team was going to decline with the departure of Tyreek Hill. You could argue they were better. You could argue they were better. And and, and without Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes is going to win the MVP this coming week. And without Tyreek Hill, they're going to the Super Bowl. So... (laughs) It's just, it's not just, oh, he's got this guy and that guy. It doesn't matter who they, who he has. They put him in a spot to succeed every time and he cashes in on it. It's just, it's not fun. It's not fun. It must be fun to be, it must be fun to be on the fun side of that. Like the Chiefs side of it or the, uh, the Eagles side yesterday. But when you know what you have and how it could potentially be that, and then you're just watching it not happen, it's not fun. And how could it be? What's what's fun about that? Josh Martin coming in. The Bills Super Bowl is the Bengals losing. I disagree with that. No, nobody, and this is the thing. I'm going to get into that in a minute. A lot of that had to do with Eli Apple and Eli Apple alone, really. No one really had any resentment for the Cincinnati Bengals until the last week. I'm going to get into that in my my, uh, next segment here, because that's another thing we learned yesterday going to talk a lot about that in this next segment here because that, to me, is one big thing we learned this weekend. But, no, I don't think anybody really cared about the Bengals losing or winning yesterday. It was more so, wow, Eli Apple is just having a field day on the entire Bills organization. Wouldn't mind watching that guy lose this weekend. I think that's what it all comes down to. Josh coming back in again saying, Bills fans can't handle that Allen is just another QB. See, no, no, no. See, and this, and this is what I hate about this. When I say Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league, uh, then everybody thinks this. Oh, yep. J- Z-Bot thinks Allen's just another run-of-the-mill guy. Z-Bot thinks Allen's just uh, your status quo QB. I mean, can, it, can both not be true? I mean, for God's sakes, does Josh Allen have to be coined the best uh, quarterback in the league by every walking human being on earth in order for us to be satisfied? How about the fact that we have an arguable top three quarterback in this league? Can that not be satisfactory? Can we also just be real with ourselves and acknowledge what the chiefs are doing and what we're not doing? Can we be real? I mean, come on. Can we not have it both ways? Cause that is the reality. And if you don't see it, you're not living in the real world. You're not. I'm not saying Josh Allen is some status quo guy. You pick up off the side of the street and put behind center. It's the complete opposite. But even with that, what the Bills have done so far when compared to the Chiefs, because that, of course, is the team they're always going to be compared to because that's where the AFC currently stands. That's the top of the class, right? It's not a fair comparison right now. The Chiefs are getting it done. The Bills aren't. And I hate this stuff, but it's the truth. This is what everybody says. Patrick Mahomes is getting it done. Josh Allen isn't. That's what everybody says. I don't buy into that because Josh Allen got it done last year against the Chiefs, got it done. What more could he have done unless he quite literally summoned superpowers from some abyss in the middle of the sky that shot down and embodied his entire soul and allowed him to to summon super strength and the ability to to shoot lasers out of his eyes, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Maybe he could have done that. But since that didn't happen, I don't think there's much more he could have done right? That's what I hate about those stupid arguments. Josh Allen can't get it done. Patrick Mahomes can. No, Josh Allen got it done last year. The defense did not. They didn't hold up their end of the bargain. They allowed the other guy to get down the field in 13 seconds. But I do understand where the argument comes from because the guy on the other side of the field has been to five consecutive AFC championships and just so happened in that one particular playoff game got to another afc championship because he took advantage of the 13 seconds that were left for him but that wasn't josh allen's fault and that's what i hate about that that's what i hate about that you know nobody nobody yesterday is anybody saying it this is another thing no yesterday nobody's saying it was joe burrow's fault for throwing two picks It's, it's cincinnati's defense's fault for getting for getting the late hit out of bounds It's it's, it's, nobody's talking about the fact that Cincinnati allowed a 30 yard punt return for the chiefs to get in range, to be able to even get down to the point of getting that flag and kicking a field goal. Nobody's talking about that. Everybody's blaming Cincy's defense for that one particular play. I have yet to hear a soul today, all day. I've listened to a bunch of stuff. I've yet to hear a soul call out Joe Burrow for not playing all that well yesterday. Had two interceptions. Had Josh Allen had two interceptions yesterday, he would have gotten absolutely cast, castrated. If Josh Allen would have dropped the ball the way Patrick Mahomes did yesterday, he would have gotten absolutely roasted. So that's where I do understand how things are skewed one way or the other. There's got to be a healthy median. And that's the one thing I don't like about these things. Josh goes on to say he's not on Mahomes and Burrow level. Now, see, that's, I also disagree with that. I disagree with that. There's levels to the quarterback position. And Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, and Patrick Mahomes are on the highest level. It's just that as far as succeeding is concerned, nobody's done it better than Mahomes. And yes, unfortunately, Burrow has had more success in his short career than Josh Allen has. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. I mean, I, you, I, you want me to lie to you? But as far as talent is concerned, that is not accurate. Allen is chucking deep deeper run. No middle to short game. I disagree with that. Cole Beasley was an all- pro slot receiver a year ago. Why? Because of the middle to short game. We saw how much that uh, little did I mean, maybe we maybe you did know I don't know, but I, don't, I think little did we know how much of an impact the simultaneous departure of Cole Beasley and Brian Dable was going to be. Because if you did notice, to Josh's point here, if you did notice this year, there was no intermediate game. None. And, and he's right here. But and, and I don't think that's Josh's DNA, just chuck it or run, because we've seen him do everything. Like I said, Cole Beasley was an all-pro slot receiver. First team. He didn't do that by just, you know, walking out on the field. But this year, it was a lot of this. It was a lot of this. Back to the point of if, if, when you got the guy and you, you got to take advantage of it. You got to take advantage of it. No excuses. Because yesterday with Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid took advantage of it with, without using the excuse of absolutely no run game at their disposal. Numerous starting wide receivers out. Kelsey banged up. Mahomes banged up. No excuse. And look, I get it. Like, if you lose last week, you'll lose. And if the Chiefs would have lost yesterday, you lose. And I still don't, I mean, they would, have, would they have used those excuses? Sure, probably. But d- despite looking at all of the things you could have blamed it on, they were still in the game until the final snap. The Bills didn't even show up last week. That's the difference here. And that's why everything's being called into question. The Bills didn't come out of the locker room last weekend. Josh says there are a lot of QBs like Allen. I mean, Josh, I appreciate the super chats, man, but I, I don't know what you're watching. I mean, there are a lot of QBs like Allen. I mean, can you name me like outside of Mahomes and Her? I mean, I, I, I get the the Herbert comparison just because of their their body type and the way they move. I, I understand it. I, I, I there are a lot of QBs like Allen. Well, if there are a lot of QBs like Allen, then the league would have had a lot better quarterback play this year. That that is just not accurate. I mean how how can you even say that with a straight how can you even say that with a straight face? That's just not true. Man, Josh, you're you're going off. Mahomes, Burrow, Hurts, Stafford, Rock. Oh, all right. Yeah. Thank you for the five bucks, Josh. I know I didn't just read Matt Stafford's name in there. Wow. Oh. Yeah, I'm just okay. Appreciate the the super chat though, Josh. Wow, Johnny coming in. Miami game was a few drops away from being a blowout. Is there a chance that Cincy game was just a really off game by the whole team? Mm. I'm I'm pausing here because I'm trying I'm trying to think about what you're saying about that Miami game. You know this is gonna transition. This is gonna transition to one thing that I personally learned yesterday, and it's kind of back to the excuses thing. Yesterday, the, the of course the the big reason today why everybody is not even really talking about Philadelphia today is because they played against a, a, a bunch of backups yesterday for San Fran because they were so injured, right? But it didn't matter. They still kicked the living shit out of them. I mean, they beat the brakes off of them, right? The Bills went against Miami and Skylar Thompson without their starting running back with a banged up O-line and they barely won the ball game, right? So that to me was another thing that you, you took away from yesterday where it was like, okay, Philadelphia is playing against a team that is more banged up than Miami was arguably but also has a much better defense, the best defense in the league. And they, and they put up a 30 spot on him. And the thing of it was, nothing was coming easy for Philly yesterday. It, it, it didn't seem easy, right? It didn't seem like it was easy to move the ball, but then all of a sudden you blinked and they were in the end zone. They just found a way. Whereas with the Bills in that Miami game, You kept thinking to yourself, like, how is this game still close? So I understand what you're saying, you know, a few drops away, et cetera. But, you know, you you can't discount that when you're, when you fumble the ball to open up the second half and gift them a touchdown. You you can't discount the fact that there were, you know, the multiple turnovers in that game that kept them alive. Yesterday, it was seven to seven at one point, and Philly just ran away with it. The Bills were unable to do that. And I think it's interesting because yesterday you kind of got the perspective of both sides of the coin. When you look at Philly, I personally think when you, when you compare Philly to Kansas city, Philly is a much better team. They just got everything. They have a top five unit in every positional group. It, it's extraordinary what Philly's got going on. And when you compare him to KC, outside of quarterback, I mean, what is Philly not better at right now? Philly they're the team that you fear because of the guys that they have. I mean, they're just an absolute loaded roster. Whereas Kansas City, they're the team that's feared because they got Patrick Mahomes and they can just find a way to beat you no matter what happens, no matter who you have. Like yesterday, they just find a way. 13 seconds, right? Or the entire team's banged up, right? They just, it's, it's I can't even describe it. It's just like, it's the Chiefs. That's why you know the game is never over until it is over when you're playing the Chiefs. That's why this matchup to me is extraordinary. I think you're getting two sides of the coin here that are both proven ways to win in this league. Which way is, is going to come, uh, you know, come out on top? It's kind of like what the Patriots used to be under Belichick. They never, they, they, they very rarely blew you out, right? They, they, very, they very rarely just smoked you. The majority of their their Super Bowls, that's why the the Patriots' Super Bowls throughout history are some of the greatest Super Bowls ever. They were the most dramatic, craziest finishes, wildest games. That's just kind of who the Patriots were, but they found a way. Like Outside of the Giants, who just somehow, you know, they found a way. But the Patriots, every other time, man, just found a way. Somehow, some way, no matter what happened in that game, they found a way. That's what the Chiefs are. They've been like that recently whereas Miami or uh, whereas Philadelphia they're just they'll just overpower you i mean how many teams did they just smoke this year just killed them now it probably helps to be in the nfc you can't discount that but even so even, even though yesterday san francisco's banged up they've been banged up all year they haven't gotten beat like that outside of kansas city in the middle of the season they hadn't lost a game since christian mccaffrey became a 49er they were 12 and 0 so, not only had they not lost, they hadn't come close to a game like that. They got destroyed. And Kyle Shanahan has shown you, you know, he can take advantage of no matter what he has to put out there. But, and that's another thing, too, when you're just talking about the coaching gap and you look at what you might, what you're going to need to get to, whether McDermott's going to become that, whether, whether, uh, Ken Dorsey's going to become that, or whether you're going to have to start looking at, at a different outlet. You see what Kyle Shanahan, who I think probably should be the coach of the year this year. Uh, The the guy got to the NFC championship with a third string rookie quarterback and he didn't lose a single start up until yesterday. Shanahan at one point throughout the season had had four different quarterbacks starting. They almost had to put Christian McCaffrey in yesterday. And I understand their rosters loaded too, but I don't care who you got when you're down, when you're down to your third string quarterback, especially the guy who was the last pick in the draft and to be able to, to get that far. So you see, like the excuses here, it it, it, they're tough. They're tough to hang your hat on the excuses, because you're seeing teams do, you're seeing teams do great things with similar excuses. Um, The one thing I want to talk about before I get to a couple more super chats here, I want to talk about uh, what Philadelphia has done. I want to kind of talk about their angle here on this game because it's wild to me. Looking at what the Bills are trying to accomplish, and then looking and seeing what Philadelphia has been able to accomplish multiple times now in very different ways, do you realize the Philadelphia Eagles going into the Super Bowl in two weeks? The Super Bowl in which they won with uh, with Nick Foles. What was that? It was, it was 2017, right? Um, I'm looking. I, I'm almost positive it was. I'm sure. Yeah, twenty the twenty seventeen season. Okay, the twenty seventeen season, which isn't all that long ago, right? Any 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 like pos, any uh, positional player that was on the or uh, like any weapon that was on the offense of the Philadelphia Eagles will not be on the field for the Philadelphia Eagles in this coming Super Bowl. They also have a completely new coach. I mean, this this team is essentially completely different. We forget that the Philadelphia Eagles were in complete rebuild mode a couple of seasons ago. Complete rebuild mode. So they have shown you now, throughout the course of less than a decade, that they've been able to get to the Super Bowl with two completely different rosters almost and two completely different coaches. And that's another thing when you're watching yesterday as a Bills fan that just kind of makes it that much more disheartening. Because every because you're just you're watching it be done by a team who's done it two completely different ways and then, and then the other side of things you're watching a team who's just done it the same way every time and then you look at it and you're, and you're thinking to yourself as a bills fan well you know you could do this one way or this one way and then you're seeing two teams figure it out in two different ways and meanwhile the bills have what they got going on and they still can't get there whereas the Eagles right they win one blow it up rebuild and get back to another one that's got to be a wild ride to be an Eagles fan where you go from the, the the height, the top, right? The pinnacle of fandom to all the way back to the bottom again and then all the way back up to the top again. And it's just crazy. It's crazy. And then you look like from our perspective and many of you older fans, it's like you reached the top of the top for four years, but you never actually went over the top. Then you went all the way down to the bottom, right? And we're still trying to climb back up. Whereas the Eagles, that, this is an extraordinary accomplishment by the Philadelphia Eagles to win a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback against the Eagles, rebuild, and then get all the way back there again. Crazy. Uh, I was looking for some more super chats here. I know I missed at least one more. Let me see here. Adam coming in super chat as a chief, uh, as a Chiefs. I'm assuming fan as a Chiefs. I agreed with you 100. 100- What are your thoughts about getting Josh Allen an offensive head coach? It's a trend in the NFL. Two uh, teams have uh, offensive head, uh, head coaches. Yeah. So here there's a couple of things that are beneficial about the offensive head coach. And that is why say, for instance, this coming season or this next season coming up here, if things absolutely go to shit and they do wind up moving off from Sean McDermott, you can bet any amount of money on the planet that whoever the bills hire will be an offensive oriented coach. There's a couple of reasons for it. One, you don't have what happened with Brian Dable happen to you again. Because, I mean, this is just the way it's going to go. Say the Bills go out this coming season and have an extraordinary offensive year. Just as good as we've seen. Ken Dorsey's going to get a head coaching job, or he's going to get multiple interviews. Hell, he got an interview this year, and it was just, to our standard, at least as of late, it, it wasn't all that impressive. I mean, it was good. The offense was good this year, but towards the end of the, the, you know, the second half of the season, it wasn't, I don't know, it just didn't seem electric, right? We all have that same feeling. He still got a, an interview. That is the Josh Allen effect. If you are coaching Josh Allen on offense and the team is succeeding, you are going to get interviews. And then if you are over the top succeeding, you're going to get a job. So the problem with having a defensive head coach is that you're going to be running through this offensive coordinator carousel. If the guy is looking to go and get a head coaching job. Now, of course, if you have guys like uh, uh, McDaniels forever and with new England outside of him, taking the Colts job for two days there, he never left. It was just him and Brady forever. That is very rare. Usually when you see tremendous success on the offensive level or the defensive level too, I mean, we've seen that, you know, Robert Sala, terrific Defensive uh, coach for the San Francisco 49ers get to the Super Bowl, right? He gets the job with the Jets. So we we see it on both sides. But the difference is with the offense, it's very predicated on your quarterback. And when you got a guy like Josh Allen, who is always going to be giving you, you know, must-see football on the offensive side of the ball, that is going to reflect back reflect back on the offensive coordinator. And that, of course, is going to lead teams who are needy of a, of a new head coach to take a look at you. So when you don't have an offensive head coach, that means that your offensive management, your offensive rotational or whatever, your your offensive nucleus is going to be rotated often. You've already lost Brian Dable. Even this year, which we all would agree was not up to any of our standards. Ken Dorsey still got a head coaching interview. So if they go out this coming season here in 2023 and just go off, Ken Dorsey is going to get more interviews, could potentially get a job. Now, of course, we wouldn't have to worry about the head coaching position because that would mean that Sean McDermott got us there, right? So that would be null and void, but it's still something to acknowledge when you're talking about having a defensive head coach and then trying to keep the nucleus of your offense. The other thing, too, is as we we saw in the divisional round, Sean McDermott was the only defensive-oriented head coach left in the entire playoffs during the divisional round. He was the only one. And then moving on to the championship uh, weekend, which was yesterday, all four of those coaches are offensive coaches. And now going into the Super Bowl, offensive coach against offensive coach. So that's why, you know, I, I think it's also another thing that is, uh, you know, doesn't play in the favor of Sean McDermott. Because I, I think we, we think since they're not making all these moves that they're just turning a blind eye to what is actually working in this league. They're not. They're not. They just know that they have Sean McDermott and have seen the success that they have achieved with Sean McDermott. No, it hasn't been a Super Bowl. Yes, they got their ass kicked last week. But as I keep saying, you got to wonder if the grass is always greener. You got to wonder if the guy you bring in next is truly going to be a major upgrade. They have to have that ready to rock with full confidence before you even think about making a move, right? But they are no dummies. I mean, Brandon Bean is not a dummy, The Pagoulas are not a dummy. You don't become a billionaire overnight by being an idiot. So you don't think that they look around and see that that's what's working. That's why it doesn't play in the favor of McDermott if they go out and lay an egg in 2023. Because you're going to have all that more of an excuse to get rid of them. So that is why the pressure, I mean, the pressure was on this year. Let's be frank. I mean, the pressure was on this year. We know this. How many times have we talked about this on here? The pressure that was on the bills coming into this season. It's unbelievable. And of course they didn't live up to it, but now you come into this next season with that lingering. That's going to be the first thing brought up. If the bills wind up having an exit like they did again, or like they did this year, if they do that again next year, this will be the first thing brought up. It'll be well. Thirteen seconds destroyed by Cincinnati. Then fill in the blank if anything were to go wrong next year. Then you start thinking to yourself, which a lot of people are already doing right now. And I, I mean, you know, that's that's just the reality of the situation. Then you start thinking to yourself, with a third with a third strike there in the postseason. Josh Allen getting older. You know, the, the, this team, uh, you know, financially getting a little harder to keep guys together. We're going to see that this year. Yeah. Yeah, the, the the seat is going to heat up. I can't overemphasize. I mean, this year is just absolutely massive for everybody involved, but you got to think primarily for Sean McDermott. Bob Marsh coming in. Josh is a great QB by any objective measure. There is no argument to say he is average. Coaching is the problem. After the bye week, something happened. It was almost like a switch that, that went off. Yeah, I, we've been over this. It's crazy. You can even go back and – and it's funny because everybody always has the same moment in which they felt that things went wrong. And it was the second half of the green Bay Packers game on Sunday night football. And it just never seemed to get back to where it was. And as I've kept saying, even though we all kind of collectively knew this, no one ever really fully acknowledged it because they just weren't losing. You look back and you're like, yeah, this really seemed, uh, you know, on a weekly basis, Like it was right in front of us, but they lost three games by a combined eight points. And going into the playoffs, what was it? Eight straight going into the playoffs, or going into the uh, the divisional game? Thirteen and three. I mean, it was just like that's the problem, and that is the problem that you face when you're the management right now at Buffalo as well. It's what I was talking about earlier. It's so hard to see the success, and I and I I think Brandon Bean, and I know he was kind of getting drilled a little bit for like a few things that he said. In the press conference, one of the things that he said that I didn't think was worded the best is that he said that um, uh, I, I don't want to I, I can't remember the exact way he phrased it, but he was like, I, I don't want to over exaggerate on one game. And the problem is when you say one game, well, no, it's not just one game. It's a playoff game. It's 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 the game. It's not just one game. A regular season game is one game. But to its core, yes, it's true. It is a singular game that a lot of people want to judge an entire franchise around. When the reality is, this season, they played 17 games, they won 14 of them, and yeah, they did get blown out. But what Brandon Bean is saying is, I can't sit down and just make any rash decisions here because we got the doors blown off of us by Cincinnati. Because when I look at the past two seasons, past three seasons, there's been a hell of a lot of good. It just hasn't ended right. That's what makes this so hard. And that's why you can't just, you can't blow everything up. It's just, it's not, it's not that easy. If it were that easy, then, you know, the Houston, the Houston Texans would be, would be in the Super Bowl after going on their third coach here in three years. Like, that's what you don't want. And what you do want is the success that they have built and sustained. It's just that they haven't gotten over the hump. And what Brandon Bean is saying when he says one game is that I have a really hard time ripping you know ripping these guys after all the success that they've had and then to get blown out like that but the only thing that matters of course and this is this is another reason why it just makes it so hard the only thing that matters is the one game where you got blown out you know the the season the rest of the season doesn't matter but from a managerial standpoint it does matter right because it's way harder than just going and finding the next great Now, uh, as far as when you're saying uh, there's no argument to say he is average. Yeah, I mean, and that's what I hate. And and, and this is frankly why it's oftentimes it's not fun talking about Josh Allen when you're not talking about him being the superstar that he is. Because when you are being critical or when you are praising somebody else, a lot of people uh, confuse that as as me or whoever else speaking. Uh, They confuse that as that person labeling Josh Allen average or lumping him, him into a, you know, a run of the mill quarterback when it's just like, not, it's not true. You know, it's like when people were saying Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. When, when Peyton Manning was standing there, does that make Peyton? Does that mean Peyton Manning was average? Hell no. Hell no. The other thing too is, and you, and you, and you just got to get used to hearing this because this is the way sports work. This is the way sports work. Your trophy case, unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess, depending on who you are, but it defines your, it defines how you're perceived. And right now, I mean, there's not, there's nothing in Josh Allen's trophy case. Not a single thing. Patrick Mahomes is now going to have two MVPs in that trophy case. He could potentially have a second Super Bowl, you know, trophy in that trophy case, multiple Lamar Hunt trophies in that trophy case. So, to me, like I, I just don't know why this is this this is uh, I, I just don't get why this fires people up. I just don't. I I understand the resentment because I have it. Believe me. I like this point that is bringing up here. You he see about you do what the Eagles do, making hard decisions, including letting go of people who can win. That is a great point because back to what I was saying earlier. Carson Wentz wasn't bad when the, when the Eagles got rid of him, right? Like he, Carson Wentz was on pace to win this, the MVP of the year they won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles, and they moved off of him rather quickly, way quicker than anybody would have anticipated. Then they drafted Jalen Hurts, a guy who that fan base was not particularly fond of drafting. If you go back and read so, some of the reports uh, around that draft pick, it was not in a positive light. I mean, people were not, were not happy about that draft pick and then you fire doug peterson which i at the time thought was absurd i think doug peterson is a terrific coach you saw that on full display this year with the jacksonville jaguars and they're only going to get better as a result of it they fired doug peterson what a year after winning the super bowl and everybody there for the most part or at least i mean the majority of people were like how do you fire doug peterson he just won a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. Yet yet they hired Nick Sirianni and in, in, in his second year, he's in the Super Bowl. So it's like you're saying, it's a great point. But that's what makes it so hard. The Eagles, they hit on everything. Do you know how hard it is to hit on that? Do you know how hard it is? And, and even though they were they were right on both accounts, apparently. I mean, I don't necessarily know if they were proven right to get rid of Doug Peterson. I don't I don't know. I don't know if that's been proven, but hey, what the hell do they care? They're going to the Super Bowl. I mean, would any of us care? I mean, fr- would you give a shit if I was coaching the Bills so long as we got to the Super Bowl? I, d- I know X's and O's as much as I know Z's and Y's. I mean, that right? But if we got to the Super Bowl, would you give a damn? Nope, you wouldn't. So do you think anybody in Philadelphia today cares that Doug Peterson's not their coach? Nope. But at the time, I, I don't know. It just didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me, at least. But you, this is what makes what they did so impressive, really so mind blowing. Carson Wentz was was on an MVP tear, and then not too shortly after that, they just move on from him, and then they draft a quarterback who was not a, a guarantee to be a success in this league. He comes in; it didn't look like he was going to be, uh, you know, perhaps worthy of as high of a draft pick as he was, and then all of a sudden, he's in the MVP category. And then you move off of Doug Peterson and you hire Nick Sirianni who had an an atrocious opening press conference and everybody's questioning that hire. Now he's in the Super Bowl. But the thing is, they rolled the dice and they landed on both. So I understand what you're saying. You got to do what the Eagles do, make hard decisions. Are you ready to roll the dice? And if you're ready to roll the dice, how confident are you on both of them turning up as winners? Because it seems easy in hindsight because we're watching it. But the fact of the matter is it wasn't easy. It was not an easy decision at all. And they got blasted for it. It worked. But it looks like it was, it looked like it worked with ease because we're looking at it through the rear view mirror now. But I got to tell you, you're making a great point because they did do it. They did do it. And it worked. Just makes you wonder though. Namdi right and the rest of us makes you wonder what if it didn't work, what if it didn't work, what if they moved off of Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson, and at this moment in time they were one of the worst teams in the league. How would how would morale be in Philly today? So you gotta. This is why I say if you're gonna roll though, if you're gonna roll that dice, right, if you're gonna make these hard decisions, you better be damn sure that you have the utmost confidence and the replacements coming in being the guys. Because if they're not, look out. You're screwed. You're screwed. Think about it. If Brandon Bean rolled the dice and and did what Philly did, and it didn't work out, I mean, that's his, that's his career. It's gone. It's done. Then, of course, you know, if it does work out, you're a Hall of Famer, potentially. A Hall of Fame general manager. But you know that that such is life. I mean, life's a gamble. When when you're gambling in general, right? I mean, the, 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 you either win or you lose. Man, feels great to win. Feels like shit to lose. You know, Adam's coming here saying can't get worse. Oh, believe me, it, Adam. It, you know, dude, Adam. You know it can. You know it can get worse. It was worse. It was way worse. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, we we can't be prisoners of the moment here. This is why I'm saying it's not just e- as easy as just, all right, roll the dice. Let's see. Because it it can get so much worse. It was so much worse forever for my whole life. Maybe that's why I'm a little bit more hesitant, I guess. Maybe that's why I'm a bit more hesitant. I'm terrified of it ever, at least having sustained success going away. Frankly, I got to tell you where I'm at right now. I'm I'm terrified of going into next season and these bills just not being very good. And why why am I feeling that way? Because the last taste I had of them was what we saw last week. And I said this last week, and this is why I felt so amazing going into this past season. Because of what we saw out on the field by that team in the playoffs last year, how could you not? I mean, it sucked. Your heart was shattered, and you'll never get over the loss to Kansas City. I know I won't. But you had every reason in the world to just be the utmost confident in this team. That is not – the confidence is just shaking. You know it is. You know it is. And I know there's plenty of fans out there who just they, there's not a single thing that they possibly can find a complaint in when it comes to the Bills, and I've, t- I've said this a million times on here. I'm jealous of you. I wish I could be that way, but I got to tell you, after what we saw last after what we saw last Sunday, man, you you can't tell me you feel as good today going into this next season as you did this same exact time last year going into uh, 2022. You know. Like you're already saying here, it, it's laugh or cry. That's basically like, the, what, what the, that is the life of a Bills fan, uh, Bills fan lately, you know? A lot of laughing, having a great time, and then a lot of crying at the end of the year. So back, to, back on, I know we've been out, we, you know, we, of course, after what we've seen the last week, there's a million directions to go. And I want to talk about another thing I learned yesterday, that, I think we all learn. This isn't just Bills fans, but as a team with, uh, you know, the, in which we have currently in Buffalo that, you know, I understand things didn't go our way this year, of course, but they're good enough to be in situations where they can talk shit or they could do it if they want to. They don't, thank God. But they could do it if they want to. And we've noticed that even when they have, you know, been counted out or, or whatever, or they're they they they're facing Uh, you know, opposing situations that are calling them out, whatever. They don't typically get involved in the bullshit. What we learned yesterday, and frankly, this whole past week, don't talk shit unless you can back it up. And do not give the opposing team any additional fuel than they already need, especially when you're facing a team who's loaded up with fuel to begin with. The Cincinnati Bengals lost that game the second the Bills game ended. In my opinion, and I and I, and I backed it up. I personally backed it up. They got over their skis, cocky. Where did that come from? Look, I get it. You went to the Super Bowl last year. You had a lead. You could have won it. And, I, and, and this is what pains me about this. I got to be honest. I, I, there wasn't a thing that I disliked about Cincinnati, man. I had all the love in the world for the Bengals. What they were able to do for us to end the drought, I mean, you've seen the video of me by now. I'm sure I've played it on here a million times. Me and my dad soaking each other in champagne crying because Andy Dalton hits Tyler Boyd for a touchdown in a game that was meaningless for them so that we could make the Super Bowl and lose to the Jaguars. I couldn't have been happier in my life. I never—I mean, that was one of the best moments of my life as as a sports fan. It was the best moment of my life as a sports fan. God, that is sad to say, but it's true. It's true. I can't believe I just said that out loud. But whatever, it's true. I mean, screw it. You know, We're we're all in the same boat. Shit, we're all Bills fans. Good God. Anyway, anyway, I had all the love in the world for for Cincinnati Bengals fans. For Christ's sake, I even bought an Andy Dalton jersey to commemorate the the, the moment. I wore an Andy Dalton jersey. I was living in New York. I was living in Manhattan at the time. I was living on, on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. I was moving into my apartment the week before the Bills playoff game and I distinctly remember watching the Bills-Jaguars playoff game in my miniature apartment in uh, Manhattan with a damn Andy Dalton jersey on because I felt like that was the positive vibe that was going to get the Bills the victory that day because what we just saw from the the Bengals was unbelievable. I got to ride that wave. Thank you, Andy Dalton, for getting us here. Let's keep that good juju going. Oh, S N T. saying, "Uh, this, dude, this is the this is the Rochester, in me. I'm sorry, brother. I can't say jag. Was it Jaguars? No, Jaguars. Sorry, bro. Nope, can't do it. You're totally right. It's like it's like I, I say Syracuse. It's Syracuse, right? Or, or I say Mar- I say Maryland. It's Merle, whatever. I, I, I'm terrible with those. It's the Rochester in me, man. It, it, I just got in this. I got in an argument with somebody about this the other day with something. Uh, something like this. You're spot on. You're spot on." uh I, I think the bangles is one isn't it the bangles or the bangles right i i think i say more bangles now the jaguar's one i know what you're talking about I like, every time i see the uh the, the car commercials like a, a, go to your your nearest jaguar 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 uh dealership today and i'm like man it'd be cool to be it'd be cool to be british you know they always say things with such zest you ever, you ever see those Jaguars commercials? <laughs> there I am saying it again. You ever see those Jaguars commercials where they're like, visit your nearest Jaguar, Jaguar, Jaguar dealer today. And I'm like, man, that'd be sweet to be able to talk like that. Whereas like, if I was doing the commercial, would you ever buy a, a Jaguar? If I was like, visit your nearest Jaguar, de- uh, visit your nearest Jaguar dealership today. You would never buy it. You wouldn't. But that's why they got the, that's why they got the really cool sounding British guy doing the, uh, the voiceovers. And, and that's why I'm, Talking about Andy Dalton ending the drought uh, for the Bills, <laughs> you know. Anyhow, I had a lot of love for the Cincinnati Bengals, a ton. I absolutely loved the Bengals because it always felt like they were similar to the Bills in the fact that you know, always just kind of mediocre, and maybe they'd have a flash here or two, but never, never great, right? Or at least in my lifetime, um, the fan bases were always very similar, a very similar region of the country. Um, just a lot of similarities and there was never anything to dislike about Cincy. There just really wasn't, there was no bitter rivalry really there. There there just, there was no love lost between the fan bases. And then that whole thing happened with Andy Dalton and the, and the drought ending and all the money that we donated to Andy Dalton's foundation from the bills mafia here. And, and didn't we do like wing donations or something? And then and then Andy Dolan came out and did a whole thing about how appreciative he was. He was. I mean, it was awesome. And then, of course, just a couple of weeks ago, man, the Damar Hamlin situation happens in Cincinnati. I was there, man. And I met all of these Bengals fans, and they were the coolest. I told you guys this. I loved it. They were the coolest fan base. I mean, obviously, they were talking their shit. I was talking my shit. But after after we just were, you know, screwing around with each other. We got to talking, and, and man, they were some really awesome people, all in the same boat as us. Where they went through a lot of years and nothing, and now they're here with a great quarterback and a great team, and they're just so excited about where they're at. And all of a sudden, in a week, they have become the, like the most hated team around. I've never had, I have never had the dial switched so quickly. I was rooting for the Chiefs yesterday, and I know a lot of us were, too. A lot of you guys were. How the hell did that happen? A year ago, we were all rooting for the Bengals, man, all of us. We were stoked. We were stoked when they beat Kansas City. They are making the Super Bowl. Man, this is unbelievable. What a run for the Bengals. I mean, yeah, of course, you're like, you're, you're like, oh, I wish the Bills were there, obviously. But if it couldn't be the Bills, you're like, all right, you got to be happy for that fan base, right? This year, man. No, no. What they did this past week was some of the dumbest shit I have ever seen in my life. And I and, and I I I got the proof to back it up. As soon as they were talking about the Burrowhead, I go, Oh no 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 no, no I it, it was over. The game and I understand the game was close. Hell, Cincinnati should have won it. Don't care. They were never winning that game. I know it looked, I know it was close. They easily could have won it. From just a mental perspective, from my point of view, they the Chiefs were winning that game. In hindsight, I should have put way, way, way more money on it than I did. And I was I was confident. I was confident. I mean, I, I was betting that game, believe me. But I when I look back on it, I really should have peppered that thing. It was inevitable. It was inevitable. All the things, right? So there was already the narrative. There was already the narrative that the chiefs could not beat Joe Burrow and the Bengals, without even having to say anything. The chiefs know that because all the talking heads in the media, that's all you were going to hear all week this week. You were going to hear that the Bengals beat them last week in arrow or last year in arrowhead during the AFC championship. You're going to hear how they beat them earlier in the year. You are going to hear how they beat them three straight times, how Patrick Mahomes has never beaten uh, Joe Burrow. You were already going to hear all that, and of course, the Chiefs already knew all that. So that, that, of course, alone was already probably fueling the Chiefs up. I have never seen... Sean, and this is why, like, this is why, you know, you. you everybody wants to, to can Sean McDermott and whatever. Sean McDermott would never allow this bullshit. He wouldn't. And if he did, I would be flat out stunned I mean I would be flabbergasted Zach Taylor should be honestly and, and I thought Zach Taylor did a hell of a job this year I thought, I thought he's done a hell of a job since he's since he's taken over for Cincinnati he he should be uh, maybe ashamed is the right word he the, the the lack of control that he had on this franchise the past week it it absolutely screwed them it absolutely screwed them you got right after the the after beating the bells, you got the 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 Bengals already naming Arrowhead Burrowhead, which, like, dude, what, what? I mean, like, okay, yeah, you beat them, you've beaten them three straight times. One mattered, you didn't win the Super Bowl, and and I just don't really quite know how you think that your franchise. This is kind of like back to our point. Like, the Bills, could you imagine? Yeah, like, the Bills have beaten the Chiefs multiple times now in Arrowhead. But they've lost to them in the playoffs both times or whatever. But it would be like going into a regular season game next year against the Chiefs where the Bills have now won two consecutive games in Arrowhead against the Chiefs. And that'd be like, oh, Josh Allen owns Arrowhead in the regular season. Josh Allen owns the Chiefs in the regular season. Dude, if I was hearing that, I'd be like, dude, shut up. Like, nobody. Like, nobody wants, nobody wants, nobody wants that. Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to give any team an an added edge. And the Chiefs, I mean, the Bengals, they did exactly that. They did exactly that. So not only did they come right out of the gates calling Arrowhead Burrowhead, but then Eli Apple, of all people, of all people, just going on off on twitter off i mean it wasn't like he just called out Diggs and allen like once and haha like good for you eli you know enjoy it man dude he must have tweeted about it 30 times like (laughs) what was he doing it almost got to the point where I was starting to wonder like how is there not a teammate or how is a coach not told him to stop yet like how is no one told him to stop but then this this is when I immediately hammered the Chiefs uh betting wise when I saw the video of the of it, this is this was the worst this was one of the cringiest just most unfathomable videos I've ever seen. As soon as I saw the video of the Cincinnati mayor, whatever it was, well, I couldn't even get through the whole thing. It's something about him renaming Arrowhead Burrowhead. I, I, I could not watch the whole thing. That's how bad it was, and that's how much I knew that was going to to swing the momentum in this game. I just knew it. How do you do that? And 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 I understand, I guess, you know, nobody from the team could control that maybe, or maybe they could. How do you not have the self-awareness? You haven't, you haven't, like, what are you doing? And then it, and I, the only reason I'm saying all this is because it was 100% a factor. Did you see what the Chiefs were saying after that win? It's all they talked about after that game. Travis Kelsey on live television, immediately said Burrow had my ass and then got on the podium to accept the Lamar Hunt, tro- Hunt trophy and legitimately roasted the mayor of Cincinnati and called him a jabroni on, on, on live uh, local cable. That was on their mind all week long. And then, when asked about it afterwards, Patrick Mahomes, he was talking about it. He's like, he's like, yeah, I mean, we—he literally said he's never seen this team that fired up. He said he's never seen this team that fired up, which is saying something because the Chiefs—I mean, we've seen—they've uh, well, <laughs> been in the AFC Championship five straight years. You'd figure they were just—they—they they were consistently fired up because they consistently win. So to think that he of all people said, this is the most fired up he's seen this team. And then he goes on to say, I I even had the mayor calling me out. Like, if you don't think that that juiced this team up and helped them get that much more of an edge in this game, you're wrong. So the lesson learned here, if the, like, I just, I do not, I never want to see this from Buffalo. I hated everything about it. It was awful. All of it was just terrible. Scott's saying fired up 20 points. Dude, who cares? I mean, like, dude, it was, you know, it fired them up because it was all they talked about after that game. It was all they talked about. And look, Scott, listen, I, this is coming from somebody I, I like, Kelsey on my all time, just players that I can't stand. He is on my top. He's like right up there. But, I was all in favor of what Travis Kelsey did yesterday. Sorry. You're going to go on and run your mouth. You're going to be the mayor of a city and declare Arrowhead, Burrowhead. You're going to be Eli Apple and go online and tweet out 30 different disrespectful things around, uh, about people around the league. You're going to rename the, the stadium Arrowhead or Burrowhead after that you beat the Bills. I mean – they deserved everything coming at them. They deserved it all. They deserved all the backlash they're getting. Now, I'll give the mayor of Cincinnati credit. He tweeted out today saying, like, had that coming to me. I'm all about a guy who can accept when he's wrong and, and have a laugh about it and move on. I think that's cool. Uh, Zap saying, why can't you stand Kelsey? I, I tweeted this out yesterday because somebody asked me this exact same question. I, I have no other reason other than he's he's just so good. Travis Kelsey is so good. And he's so good that it, it it pisses me off beyond beyond explanation. Every time I see Travis Kelsey wide open without a soul within fifty yards of him in the red zone, and he scores his hundredth touchdown of the season, I want to throw something through a window. I I, I that, that is the only explanation I have. And then of course, as a Bills fan, it is it is quintupled. It is quintupled. So I got the same question asked me yesterday. Because I told you this earlier, I said this earlier in the show, if somebody asked me, why do you hate the Chiefs? And when you think about it, like, none of them are bad people. None of them are bad guys. Frankly, they're all kind of likable, right? There's really nothing wrong with them. It's just that they're they're very, very good, and they're the Bills' rival. And with Travis Kelsey in particular, I have never seen anybody in my life that unguardable. I, 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 it blows my mind. And so because of that, I can't stand him. <laughs> That's really it. That's really it. But, you know, I got it. I got it yesterday with, with, with him yesterday. I thought that that was, I, I thought, I thought it was fun. like Good. Like, good for them. They used it. They used it. And I, I don't know, like I, if I was Joe Burrow of all people, right? Because Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow has got that calm, cool cockiness to him. Like he'll say some stuff where he's like, you know, refund. The, well, that's another one of those things is we like refund those tickets or whatever, but the way Joe burrow does it, like, he's not in your face about it. He's just kind of, he's kind of calm about it. Like, oh, re, re, you know, better refund those tickets. Wasn't like he was like, Oh, you know, Burrow burrowhead burrowhead whatever. He's not doing all that. And then he just kind of moves on and, and he, and he just does his thing. Whereas the rest, it just seemed like everything was very loud coming out of Cincinnati. It was very loud and it did, it did the Bengals no favors. Although I got to tell you, man, if they would have won that game yesterday, what, I mean, this is, but this is, this is back to the risk reward thing. And it's back to the whole analogy of rolling the dice. And you can do this with everything. I mean, if the Bengals would have won that game yesterday, I mean, you want to talk about, I mean, that would have been an all-time win. That would have been an all-time win to talk all that shit all week. Just ripping. I mean, I mean, you're renaming the stadium. You're going off online. You got the mayor involved, for God's sakes. And then you go in and win the fourth consecutive game against them. Dude, that would have been all the time. But this is what happens. This is why I say this is the lesson learned. If you're going to talk it, man, you got to back it up and you got to win. You got to win. Like, if you're going to be Eli Apple, man, you got to win. I I heard his mom deleted her social media. (laughs) I mean, that's how bad it was. That's how bad it was. His mom had to delete social media. Like, if you're, dude, like, if you're gonna just run your mouth like that, dude, you gotta win. Like, you gotta win. There's no other way to say it. Because if you don't, I mean, if you, how many tweets had the name Eli Apple in it last night? A million? I mean, that guy had to have called up Time Warner or whoever, Spectrum, Optimum I and mean, he had to say, man, can you discontinue my internet for the end to the end of time? I, I mean what who want you don't want that circulating you And that's why I gotta say, you know, with like McDermott, I just don't think that that happens. And if it did, I would just be stunned. I truly would. And I and like, you know, an example way, I guess, would be like, oh, everybody was kind of making out making what uh what Diggs did on the sideline to be a big thing. Am I the only one who didn't think that that was a big deal? Like what? What did you want? What did you want Stephon Diggs to do? Like uh, just be stoked about that loss? Like there's a difference between being like pissed off and passionate and just like irate with the fact that you just played like dog shit, and then being whatever Cincinnati was this past week. And it's a damn shame too because Cincinnati was very likable in my opinion. They were very likable. But I think last week, this past week, they, they did a lot of harm, I think, on their public perception as far as the franchise is concerned. You saw it. You saw it on full display. You saw it on full display. Now, of course, I mean, they don't care probably, and I'm sure the Bengals fans don't care, but I don't know. I, I just – I don't want to be the team that everybody thinks are – um, I don't know, like the shit talkers or the team that just – um is constantly running their mouth. Or whatever. I just don't think anything really, I don't think anything positive comes from that. I don't think that does, I don't think that does anything good for anybody. I think that it makes the fans look like shit. Uh, it, it also adds pressure to the players, in my opinion, because now when you lose that, you got to deal with all that on top of it. Like everybody's always going to have an added, an, an added bit of, uh, you know, zest to the week going into playing you because you're running your mouth. Like you just don't want that. And, and, and it works too. I mean, I, I saw. I remember I saw this do, this documentary about the Patriots. I forget exactly what it was, but I, I think within the documentary. Uh... Oh no, no, no! Actually, you know what? This was this was something else. But I actually heard this today. Uh, I was listening to uh, Coward, and he had Sean Payton on, and he said that he would manufacture, like he would manufacture. Um, things for the team to get fired up about. So he said that he would have the graphics guy who worked for the saints. He would, when they, when they played in Philly uh, for a playoff game in the wild card a handful of years back, he had the, the graphics guy put on their team buses, um, a bullseye, like a, like a gigantic dartboard so that the Philly fans had somewhere to aim with the eggs they were throwing at the bus. So he made it obvious that he wanted the bus to get egged so that when the bus inevitably did get egged, the players were like, Oh, it's on like, Oh, it's on They're 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 egging the bus. Like, screw this, screw this city, screw this town. Like he totally, he totally was begging it. He's begging for it. So teams are always looking for an added bit of juice. If you're just going to give it to them, I mean, make them work for it, man, at the very least. Cause in my opinion, this past week, the juice was already there. The Chiefs were already hearing all that talk; they did not need to add anything more to the plate. Oh. so I gotta tell you, you know, the obviously there's nothing we can do about it now. So it's like, you know, we are you gonna not watch the Super Bowl? You gotta find something to root for. Right? I, I I gotta tell you, I am I'm I'm happy that 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 this matchup wound up being the one that uh, came to fruition because. This game, I think, is going to be great. It's one of the only, it's one of the few Super Bowls in recent memory where the where the line, the spread, the betting spread, is within uh, two points. I mean, this game is projected to be super close, and I think we're getting a real, awesome display of two very different types of teams who have had very, you know, they've had tremendous success this season, but in my opinion, different ways. Um. I got Philly in this one. I do. I just think that Philly is the better team all around. But that—that's just it. Goes back to this this weird Chiefs effect where you just, of course, you cannot rule them out. I'm just interested to see what the Chiefs' game plan is going to be in this game to try and mitigate all of the star power that this um, that this Eagles team has. Because it, I mean, right down to the center. I mean, you know, Jason Kelsey's the best center in the league. You got you got top corners. You got top you got top edge rushing. You got top O line. You got top wide receivers. A great run game. An MVP caliber quarterback this season. I mean they got it all. Um. So it's going to be interesting. I'm very excited to to see how it pans out. I just hope it's a good game. That's all I care about. I mean last last year's game kind of sucked. It just was eh. I mean it was kind of boring, wasn't it? And then the, and then the the Bucks, the Bucks Super Bowl was terrible against the Chiefs. It was over at half. I'm just hoping for a good game. And I just think it with Kansas City, a good game is inevitable because they're just a team that, oh, they can never just, it just never seems like they can just ride off into the sunset. Don't you feel that same way? It just feels like there's going to be, they just feel like this is going to be a game that comes down to the wire. Sal's got Eagles smashing the Chiefs. I see a bunch of people in here do, or actually, maybe not. John's got KC forty-eight to three. John, I will personally—I don't know—you name the bet. If KC holds Philly to three, I'll do something. I mean, I—I I don't even—I don't even know how that would be possible. Truly, the one thing I got bet uh, that, that I'm thinking about by the way right now that I haven't touched on yet—the one thing that I think was the most disheartening. Uh, the one thing I think that was the most disheartening aspect of watching that game yesterday was seeing the gap in the defensive performance from the Bills to the Chiefs against the same team in the in the, in the Bengals, because going into that Bills Bengals game. Obviously, we all knew that the Bengals were banged up on the O-line, and it just felt like that was going to be the big advantage for the Bills that day. And then, of course, it was the complete opposite. The Philly O-line, or the uh, Bengals O-line, they dominated. And you look at the amount that the Bills have tried to invest in this in this D-line, in this edge presence. They've been doing everything in their power to try to get it up to standard. And it's just it's crazy to watch and I, and and of course I, I couldn't help having it run through my mind yesterday man like if von miller was healthy would that game have been different i mean they played so bad that it's hard to think that the outcome would have been different but you couldn't help but wonder watching what the the, chief, the chiefs were doing on on d line especially earlier in that early in that game you can't help but wonder like man would the game have been at least somewhat different because as well as mahomes played yesterday that that Chiefs D really was was the star of the show. I mean, Chris Jones, I think even more so than, than uh, Mahomes yesterday, arguably, was the MVP of that game. Just an absolute home wrecker on the line. And you look at the draft capital that the Bills invested, in, and then, you know, you go out and get Von Miller, and he can't make it to the playoffs, which he inevitably signed him for. That was what really sucks because it just seems like every year now that we have lost in the playoffs, it has come down to that same thing. It has come down to the departure being based around the bills D and, and, and frankly, I mean, there's a million things that went wrong against Cincinnati. I'm not pinning that on the D like the offense also couldn't move the ball. I mean, it was atrocious, but the bills D against the chiefs, in the AFC Championship a couple of years back, we all know that. I mean, that is why they were desperately seeking a solution on the D line. They couldn't touch Mahomes. They, they they weren't even close to getting pressure on him. They had a field day, and then we watched what happened two weeks from from that game. They went and played Tampa Bay, who had a phenomenal pass rush, and they absolutely destroyed Kansas City. And that was the worst game I've ever seen Mahomes and in Kansas City play ever they got, they got bullied. Uh, And and then last season, the the D was better. It felt like, I mean, you saw what they did against the Patriots and then you get into that chiefs game and you know, the chiefs were having their way with the defense as much as the bills were having the way with the chiefs defense, but then it gets, gets down to that 13 seconds and you know, whether it's schematically or personnel or a mix of both, in my opinion, it's a mix of both more schematics than anything, but um, it was still the defense that you look at in that game and say it was, just wasn't there. It wasn't good enough. It just, it was, it was still missing something that could not get us over the hump. And then this year, you watched how hard it was for the Bengals to earn their 20 points yesterday. I mean, even when they did score, think about how tough it was. That T. Higgins touchdown was an absolutely phenomenal touchdown. He had, a, he had to make a highlight, real play just to score. And that was on a third and long uh, within the red zone. And then uh, the, the, one of their other scores, they had to hit, uh, uh, well, well, they had to hit Jamar, Jesus, sorry. They had to hit Jamar chase. I was it? fourth and 13 on a, on a deep route there, or maybe it was shorter than four, whatever. It was a fourth down. They had to go. They had, they went long to um, Jamar chase. Either way, what I'm, what I'm saying is, is is nothing came easy at all yesterday for Cincinnati to get to those 20 points that they did. The Chiefs D really was the star of the show, and I understand Mahomes is going to get all the credit. Um, that's the way it goes, and it's back to my point earlier when we talk about the quarterbacks, and it's like, oh, you know, when people say, you know, Josh Allen can't get it done. No, that's not true, or like, you know, Patrick Mahomes did it all yesterday. Like, Well, yeah, but I mean, did you watch the Chiefs D? They were absolutely extraordinary. And that's what sucks about the whole quarterback thing. And it's like with me, it's like, oh, if I say that Patrick Mahomes has been the better quarterback, which he has been throughout his career, oh, you, you think Josh Allen sucks? No, 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 no. This is why these conversations suck. Like, you can never just have good players. It's always got to be a set category. To me, though, the only difference is that the category when we're talking about success is that there's really not an argument. Success is tangible. You can see it. You can see success. Unfortunately, the bills do not have the success that the Kansas city chiefs and the, uh, and Patrick Mahomes do, but well, let's look at reasonings, right? And this is why these things play into that. And that's why Patrick Mahomes has it laid out for him. In my opinion, in, in, in a much more effective fashion than the bills do. The Chiefs completely revamped. The the, the Bills have been trying to build an offensive line for Josh Allen since they drafted him. They haven't. The the Bills offensive line is like mediocre at best. Mediocre at best, right? The, The Chiefs like blew up their entire offensive line, went and completely restructured it. And now they have one of the best offensive lines in the league. The Bills have been trying to... And this is under a defensive head coach, mind you. The Bills have been trying to build a juggernaut on the defensive line for years now and haven't been able to do it. And now you look at what the Chiefs are doing throughout the whole season. You would never have really thought the Chiefs had a better defense than the Bills. But then you look at yesterday and compare a week's difference against the same team... It was night and day how much better the Chiefs defense was against the Bengals. It was night and day. And now I get it. You know, Von Miller's not in. Micah Hyde's not in. Daquan Jones is there. I mean, I, I get all of that. I get it. But, like, look at it. Just it, You, you got the cards you're dealt. You got you to gotta go out there and make do. They were way more banged up on offense than the Bills were, so that kind of negates it, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> that's what sucks the most. I mean, the Chiefs sacked Joe Burrow yesterday three consecutive snaps. Three consecutive snaps. Chandler Jones, or uh, Chris Jones, hadn't had a uh, playoff sack his whole career. He had two yesterday. He was was the all-star on that field yesterday. In all the capital the Bills have put into this defensive line, and, like, it's, it's not there. They got some studs on D. But to see that still be the thing that just feels like it's the difference maker, it sucks. But the other thing, but this is the other thing, too. It's like, but now... Going into this draft, like you cannot draft, you cannot draft a defensive player in the first round this year. You can't do it. You can't do it. Like you know, even with even with the Chiefs, like you know, you lose Tyreek Hill, but you still go out and get uh, MVS. You get Juju Smith Schuster. You get Kadarius Tony. Like you, you, you draft um, uh, the the kid who. Returned the punt yesterday. Uh, what's his face there? Sky, uh, Sky Moore or whatever it is. is that, am I right on that? Maybe I'm not. I don't know. Whatever. They, 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 they addition by subtraction. Whereas like the bills lose John Brown and um, Cole Beasley. And like, where's the addition? There wasn't one. And we were talking about it earlier where somebody said, you know, Josh Allen's, he, he, he can't work the middle of the field or the short game. No, like he totally can. But, you know, (laughs) John Brown was the deep threat, believe it or not, right? I mean, hell, when John Brown came back this year, Allen had one of the best touchdowns of the year this year to John Brown. We thought Gabe Davis was going to be that. Like he really hasn't been. He's had his flashes and man, when they flash, they flash bright, but it's not consistent. And You know, you thought, even I thought, I really had high hopes for Isaiah McKenzie filling the shoes of Cole Beasley. It just wasn't, it didn't happen. It's not there. So that's the thing here. And when we talk about like comparing the Chiefs to the Bills and stuff like that, it's really hard for me to understand how people don't view them as a team that has put Mahomes in a better situation. They lose Tyreek Hill, the fastest player on the planet. And it was the biggest explosive. It was the biggest explosive weapon, not only on their team, but in the NFL. They lose him. And what do they do? They go out and get a bunch more weapons, find ways to utilize them. They then focus more on the short intermediate game, do it tremendously. Meanwhile, they build up their defense on top of things, and then they restructure their offensive line to make sure that they don't have to rely on the explosive touchdowns of Tyreek Hill we can utilize the short passing game and methodically move our way down the field utilize Kelsey utilize our running backs who they've made you know they've made chicken soup out of chicken scraps man like McKinnon out of nowhere Pacheco's been been solid whereas like with the bills You know, you you lose Cole Beasley, an all-pro wide receiver in the slot. You lose John Brown, who was the biggest deep threat for this Buffalo Bills team. And uh, they have not replaced it at all. So you go into this draft here, and you have got to go offense. You have to. And then it makes you wonder as the defense, like, not only gets older, but as it gets to a point of having to move on from guys like potentially Jordan Poyer. We have to see what we're going to do with guys like Ed Oliver and Tremaine admins. And, you know, another big question mark that I have to be hundred percent honest with you is, is, is Trey white ever going to be back to Trey white? I, I, we have to see it. It was a devastating injury he had at a position where it's really tough to get back to where you were post-injury. Is that going to be something? Is Kyir Elam gonna play? <laughs> I mean, I mean, you draft Kyir Elam in the first round. I mean, do you remember? I mean, how how many how many times was he out on the field this year? Certainly not enough just to justify a first round pick. So it's just a lot of times, it's just like I, I just I don't know. And then like Namdi's coming here saying too, and then this this is other things that just are making you're just like what. You know, Isaiah Hodgins couldn't get a snap on this Bills team. And so Brian Dable says, oh, okay, I'll take him. He was the number one receiver for the New York Giants. And I understand the Giants, they're not the Chiefs, they're not the Bills, they're not the Eagles. But they still were a team that made it... (laughs) They made it just as far as the Bills did this season, and the result was the exact same. A blowout in divisional weekend. And if you looked at the stats if you looked at the stats, Isaiah Hodgins, once he signed with the Giants, had a better year from that point on than Gabe Davis did. So it's just, that's what really, you know, that's what really has you wondering what the future holds. Randy's coming in here. And I, I wanted to read this cause I, I've heard, I heard the same thing. I'm a, I, I get, I love Mike Florio. I mean, I know a lot of that's very like, oh, everybody. I got a lot of people that are like, oh, like why? And I'm like, the dude's smart, man. The dude is smart. I know he ruffles some feathers sometimes, but the dude knows what he's talking about. And Randy's coming in here and saying, Mike Florio was very critical about McDermott regarding his playoff management. First time I've heard a very legit critique of McDermott as, a, as his playoff performance has frankly been lacking compared uh, to Philly since. I mean, that, that to me is, is inevitable. And we've been saying, we were saying that last year, right? But now, and this is what I'm talking about when it comes to the seat. It's not, it's not like hot seat, like, you know, I mean, there's hot seats like you have with uh, the vast majority of job openings that happen within this league, like, uh, Nathaniel Hackett's seat, he couldn't even sit on it without his ass disintegrating. Right, that that's a hot seat. But McDermott's seat, it it's warm, man. And what I, what you're saying here it just goes to show you because what you just said, and I'm in firm I'm in firm agreement because I listen to Pro Football Talk every day, and I've never heard them at least really harp on McDermott though. Chris Sims is ve- was very ahead of the curve on this, believe it or not. Chris Sims was very critical of the way the Bills have built this roster to benefit Josh Allen, and he kind of si- he kind of sings the same sentiments that I do about how the Chiefs have been so successful, whereas the Bills haven't. And it's based on you know getting guys in your personnel group to be able to take advantage of unearthly creatures like Mahomes and Josh Allen. The Chiefs have just done a flat out better job of that. They've done a flat-out better job than that. And he's been very critical of their inability to get Josh Allen guys that are serviceable enough to take advantage of his talents. It can't just be Stefan Diggs. It just can't. You got to have a better role line. You got to have a better, you know, better weaponry. And you got to be able to get this defensive edge edge presence, the the, the edge-rushing presence to a to a spot that you have invested in in getting it to. I mean, it's just, the Chiefs have done all of that. They have additional weapons. They have a reliable run game. They have that edge presence. But back to the point about the seat getting warm. You don't hear, you, you didn't hear anything about McDermott because nobody was talking about it. Nobody had a reason to. But now, three straight playoff departures where all three departures did not look very good on McDermott, like last year, you can't say the game didn't look good. The ending did not look good at all. It looked terrible on on McDermott and Frazier and the Bills. It looked awful. You allowed a half-field drive in 13 seconds. Right? And then I talked about this last week. The Bills should be going like this on their trajectory, and they're they're actually doing the opposite. Think about it. They have declined every year in the postseason. They've gone from AFC championship to divisional exit and a close loss to divisional exit and a blowout. So if they continue on this trajectory, that means this season's either a wild card exit or they don't even make the playoffs. So because of all that, you're now hearing guys like Mike Florio who are becoming privy to it. Cause they, I mean, yeah, they follow the league very closely and they cover it of course, and they know all the ins and outs, but they aren't watching every bills game as attentively as we are as fans. They're watching all 32 games, you know, on a broad spectrum. They're not as wired into the bills as we are. But now that should be a red flag, I guess you could say, right? Because now when you're seeing the people who cover the NFL on a more broad spectrum, dial in on the things that people who watch them very closely on a weekly basis notice, that's when it becomes public perception. That's when the word starts spreading around. That's all of a sudden when you're, when your seat is on fire. So that's why back to my point, this is a huge year. It's a huge, huge year. And I can't help but think if the Bills, if the Bills, like I'm just talking about, if that trajectory, if that trajectory leads, if it continues on on the, the rhythm it's on right now and it leads to no playoff appearance or it leads to a wild card exit, McDermott's done. I, 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 I got. I don't think that that is a hot take. You already have a ton of this, a, a ton of a huge chunk of this fan base right now calling for it. I personally, I'm not ready for it yet. I'm not. But I got to tell you, man, you get me in this seat behind this microphone one year from right now, and I'm talking about a team that didn't make the playoffs, or I'm talking about a team who, who lost to the wild card, or I'm talking about a team who got blown out the way they did last week. You're gonna be getting a much different sentiment from me, and, and and if you think it's just a chunk of the fan base right now already asking for that stuff, you, you you wait till. I mean, you 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 wait you wait you wait till this time next year if that happens. But I'm rooting for these guys, man. I'm rooting for these guys. I love Sean McDermott. I mean, he's such, he's such an easy guy to root for. I mean, I want it to work out with this guy, man. I want it to work out with Sean McDermott. I just, I just like him as a guy, man. And that means a lot to me. Like, that means a lot. That's why when I was talking earlier about the bullshit with with the with the Bengals and all this stuff this past week, like, I, I don't roll, I don't like all that. I just don't like that stuff. As a fan man, I don't like that. And McDermott, the culture, and, and, and there's a difference between success and culture. I've absolutely loved the culture that's been built. I mean, you've heard me, you've heard me talk about that on here a trillion times. I love it. But the culture is going to be, it's going to be put on the back burner. And it's going to be overlooked when the success isn't coming along with it. That's just the truth but i've loved what they've done so far and i i i want it to work that's why in my mind you know where i'm at it bums me out because the way i see it i i, I don't see how if you finish next year in in a, in a in a similar way that you did this year or worse i don't see how they don't make a move i mean think about it like i mean think about it truly think about it to yourself you know I mean, like like what Scott's saying here, you know, z McDermott can't get it done. Allen is getting wasted here. I, I don't necessarily, I, like the thing is, I don't have the counterpoint. I don't have the counterpoint. I don't think he's getting wasted because what we've gotten so far is the best Bills football we've gotten in a quarter century. But if you're talking about and this is back to my original point earlier where I had people in here on my ass. If you're talking about wasted meaning they're wasting their opportunity to do what the Chiefs are doing, well then yeah, you're you're dead. You're dead on. You're dead on. So you got to you got to ask yourself. Like those people, the people who aren't willing to say that that Mahomes at this moment in time based on what's been built around him is the better quarterback. Those people who aren't willing to say that the Chiefs are the better organization, the better team, you gotta, then you got to then you got to wonder what do you want from these what do you want from these Buffalo Bills? Because if you want what you're getting right now, which is well above 500 in the regular season, uh you know, a bunch uh, a handful of star players who you know star in in the sense of what you're talking about, guys like Allen who have national commercials, digs, you you know, you got that. So you got the star players, well above 500, playoff um, appearance with at least a victory. If that's what you're satisfied with, then I understand where you're coming from. Like, totally. I understand where you're coming from. But if you want what we all want, and I'm assuming you do, which is what the Chiefs are currently doing, well, then... (laughs) you got to be willing to to realize that the bills aren't currently there and things have to change, whether that's changed within who they already have or things are changed externally. Something's got to give. All I know is this coming season, something will change. Something will change. Either this coaching staff gets it in gear I think I think we we are we're also treating Ken Dorsey like a veteran here. Because if we get rid of Ken Dorsey this year, well then what 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 are we doing? Because then we're bringing in another guy who's in his first year with his first year with Allen. I got to tell you at least even if you're the biggest Dorsey hater out there, at least Ken Dorsey already had a relationship with Josh Allen and was in the building. Right? He was already in the building and already had a relationship with Josh Allen. That, to me, is a plus. So even if you're the biggest Dorsey hater and you want him gone, well, then you're inviting, yet again, another first-year OC, except this time he's not going to have a relationship with Josh Allen more than likely, or he's not going to have been in the building more than likely. So is that what you want? Now, I understand you might want that because that's a roll of the dice and it could hit, right? It could hit. But... Very, very well could could be worse than this, worse than this, and everybody coming in here is saying coaching, coaching, coaching. Like I, I, I agree with you completely. I just think it's very. This is where you know when you're a fan, it's just so easy to say, "Oh, the coaching sucks," and we got to change it. But then when you think about it, but well, then when you think about it, it's like, okay, yeah, we got it. We, like, wh- but what are we gonna do? What are we going to do? We're going to blow the whole thing up. We're going to bring in another first year OC, right? We're going to, we're going to get rid of the D coordinator. Who's had tremendous regular seasons. Got a can him because of the playoffs that I I get that argument. I, I can't deny that. Like, look at Leslie Frazier, man. This is three straight playoffs where the bills have lost in, in a fashion where the defense really looked like they might've been the problem. So out of all of them, that's the one I get the most. But even with that one, I'm telling you, Bean's sitting down right now, saying to himself, "I got a real tough time thinking I'm finding better than Frazier right now when I look at these stats throughout the last several seasons." Right, but I, I mean, then again, I get it. That's what makes it so hard. That's what makes it so hard. And now, now, now ja- Jaquez is coming in here, and and this this is the only this is the only thing. The only thing, and I, I can't remember where I said it. I said it on, I don't think it was on my show. I think it was on somebody else's show. If Sean McVay called today, I'm sorry. Like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing that. I'm doing it. How could you not do that? That is the only example that I can think of. And it's not happening, by the way. And if it did, I mean, you want to talk about an absolute, like, blockbuster no one saw coming type thing but it's just don't even think about it because it's not happening but that this is really the only example that i can think of where i would take the phone call and then immediately pursue it because i know what i'm getting this is back to my point earlier if i'm gonna move on from mcdermott i need to know what i'm getting as a replacement right i need to absolutely unequivocally know that the guy I am replacing him with is going to be able, at least from my confidence level, to do a better job. And the only two people right now that you can say that about are Sean McVay and Sean Payton, and neither one is happening. They're not happening. Dave's coming here saying, I take Flores. If you're saying that for a head coach, I got a couple of Buccaneers friends that you, that you should talk to because they, 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 they'd be happy to give them to you or happy to give them to us. I'm not kidding you. The amount of times I've seen my bucks my bucks friends just destroy Brian Flores. But then again, welcome welcome to every fan base ever. You know, welcome to every fan base except for right now Kansas City probably. Cuz what you, what what are you going to say bad about Andy Reid? I got nothing. The dude's out here running ring around the rosy offensive plays and, and scoring touchdowns on him. I mean, what am I I, I got nothing for you. So they're having a field day. I mean, Kansas City, they're loving every second of it. Philly probably is too, uh, and, and probably San Francisco. But then again, I mean, it, it's it's tough, the situation they're in. Outside of that, though, and frankly, probably even within those organizations, every fan base is bitching about something every single week. Now, D.C., you know, maybe. I don't know. Maybe, now I get that. Now, Scott's coming in here with the Frank Reich. See, I never thought Frank Reich was going to be uh, the, the guy that would be a candidate to replace McDermott as head coach. I thought maybe, maybe, and this was a big, big, big maybe, Thought maybe if they were ever going to take a look at him, it would be for OC. But then again, I also had said a couple of weeks ago that uh, Frank Reich was going to get uh, another kind of coaching job because I, I think he got shafted by uh, Indianapolis. I think he got shafted. I, he never should have got fired. Uh what Jim Mersey did is just un un unexplainable. I mean, you think we got it bad? You think we got it bad trying to figure out if Sean McDermott, the guy who's, you know, gotten us to at least the divisional round the last three seasons in a row. You think we got it bad? I mean, for Christ's sake, if you're a Colts fan and I got a couple buddies who are, I mean, they are they are losing their mind. Losing their mind. Not only do you have Andrew Luck retire on you out of thin air. You fire Frank Reich for Jeff Saturday. Like I said, they wouldn't be able to even get him in for an interview for OC because I, I guarantee you they'd, he'd get another head coaching job, and that's exactly what he did. Carolina Panthers hired him a couple days ago. And good for Frank Reich. I love Frank Reich. Love him. I was so pissed to see what happened to him in uh in Indianapolis. That was just just utter bullshit. Bullshit. So... Um, where was I? Oh, um, no, it, it, it's, it's, it's always going to be something. So in order to, in order to get the, re- the replacement or in order to move on, you'd have to have an answer. You'd have to. And to me, in my mind right now, the only way that we could possibly know of a positive result as an answer, or at least have the utmost confidence in the world of bringing in a positive answer as a replacement. It would be Sean McVay or Sean Payton, neither of which is happening. So I'll pose this question to you now. If it's not those two, which it isn't, then then who is this magical replacement for Sean McDermott? Right? When everybody's saying, can Sean McDermott fire Sean McDermott? Okay. All right. Who Who's coming in? And see, that's where I sit here. I know, what, and I know as I talk about it, it just sounds like I'm kind of at a loss for words here. But the, but, but the truth is, I I kind of am. Because on one foot, like, I, I do understand what everybody's saying. Do you think I want to end the year every year like this? Like, I, this blows ass. This sucks absolute seismic fat ass. I hate it. I hate it. But then again, I also do, I, I also, as crazy as this is, and this has just happened as I've gotten older, thank God I've gotten at least a little bit of rationality within me as a fan as I've gotten older. I do sit back, and I'm like, yeah, like, I know it doesn't matter at all, but they have been successful. Just not in the postseason, of course. But, and then and that, there's no but there. I get that. That's all I care about, too. It's all those guys care about, right? It's all, And it's all anybody should care about. But as I sit back and say, okay, this isn't good enough. This isn't what I want. I sit back and I think, okay, how do we fix it? And then if your answer to that question is firing Sean McDermott, then the, then the, then the ultimate question, okay, is who is replacing him? And unless you're going to do what jacques is saying here and call in Nick Saban, which won't probably work anyways because we saw that happen in the NFL before anyways. Saban was, I mean, th- this is what everybody was saying about John Harbaugh too, where it was just like, I mean, yes, we, we saw the success he had with San Francisco, but uh, I, I need a proven commodity, like, not, excuse me, Jim Harbaugh, uh, when, when he was potentially thinking about coming back to the NFL, like it's been a while, right? It's been a while. I'm just at the point now where I need – if you're going to do – if you're going to make this move, it's got to be a proven commodity. And on top of that, too, like when the talks about Sean Payton for all these other teams or when it was talking – when they they were pondering on uh, Jim Harbaugh, other organizations, the the, the coaching market is going to change drastically. You watch as soon as Sean Payton signs on a dotted line somewhere. It's going to be in the excess of $20 million. And then all of a sudden, not only are you not going to be able to find the top candidate, but if you do find the top candidate, you got to shell him out insane money, crazy coin. So there's just so many factors at play here. There's so many factors at play. Um. So that's where you sit back. Like I was just talking about, and you were, and and you're, like pontificating over over uh what 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 to do if that was the solution and i just don't think that there is an adequate answer there isn't like i'm sitting here i'm genuinely thinking i'm trying to think like like if you I'm just thinking even if you brought someone else in, what are the odds of them this this magic person who like this magic person whoever they are right is it going to is it going to be just infinitely better or or, or you know, dramatically better in the postseason because we have a new guy? And then, like, you know, who do you, you don't, who do you, who do you switch up to if that's the, if that's the, the choice? Do you switch up everything? Do you switch up one piece? Do you start? Like, this is what I wonder, you know, next year. This is what I wonder. If things go south, do you switch up everything or do you switch up like the, the OC? The DC, McDermott. Like, th- th- this, is, this is such a weird position to be in because ever, you know, every year I was uh that I had to deal with this as a Bills fan, it was because we sucked ass. So then it was just inevitable, okay, what does it matter? We suck, we can't even make the playoffs. Let's just let's just keep rotating coaches here until we find somebody that hopefully works. You, now it's a completely different ballgame. Like back then when you were rolling through the, the coaching carousel, it, it didn't matter because what, what, the bar was so low that if anybody came in and exceeded expectations even marginally, then it was a win. But now the bar is way too high. So you have to find somebody that's going to be able to, to not only hit that bar, but surpass it. Now I saw somebody in here make a decent point. This is an interesting one. Uh, The Lions offensive coordinator, David Johnson, he is a hot commodity. He's staying in Detroit this year. But he is a very hot commodity. He will be on the market next year. I guarantee it. He will be on the market next year for a head coaching job. Then again, though, never been a head coach. And you are rolling the dice. And like we talked about earlier, the Eagles did it, and it and it hit. And I'm not I'm not arguing against it. If they think that in, that is in their best interest to roll the dice, see what happens, they think this is for the best for this organization as far as moving forward, getting better. Okay. You know, okay. But it, it, it's still it's <laughs> dude. This is so hard to talk about. This is so hard to wrap your head around. Because meanwhile you have to do all this in a timely freaking fashion too. You do, you like back to my point I was just making about when the bills sucked. You had all the time in the world to figure it out. They sucked. So it's like who cares? Just just figure it out. You know, we're, we're going to get there eventually and and they did. It just only took 30 years, right? But you had the time. You don't have the time now. You don't have the luxury of time. Because with every passing year that you let slip by, whether you make the change or you don't make the change, that's one year where Josh Allen gets older, where Josh Allen is exposed to more hits, or his legs are are tumbling and tumbling more and more and more. It's another year where you got to pay more guys, where you lose guys. You don't have the luxury of time here. And that is why, to me, th- this year is is where a decision's made one way or the other. I'd be stunned. I I I truly. I mean, and, th- and this is this is contrary to what people believe, but I, I would be stunned if we watch the Bills finish next year or this coming season in the same fashion that they did this past year or worse. I, I would be stunned if they just didn't do anything. Like, is is that not? Does that not seem inevitable? You already have people clamoring for that right now. Does that not seem inevitable that a drastic change is made? Because if it's not, then what is that saying? Cameron coming in super chat. Do you think Ken Dorsey would make a better head coach or OC? Just curious. Is he more head coach material than OC? Well, we, we have no ability to, to we have absolutely no ability to argue that he's head coach material because we barely have the ability to argue that he's offensive coordinator material. That's why when I heard he got an interview, I was just, stu- well, there, there, was, there was two parts to me. The part, the Bills fan part of me that watched this year kind of go the way it did was stunned to see that Ken Dorsey, that this year would have landed him a head coaching interview. The other side of me that realizes that you are in charge of an offense led by a superhuman, that part of me made me made it click where I understood why. Because, and this is another thing too that benefits Ken Dorsey if you were to go look for a head coaching job. And, and this to me is a little it's it's a little overblown, but this is what you're hearing now. Well, you know, <clears throat> well, you know, Brian Dable, you know, he, he made Josh Allen, and then when he went to the Giants, I mean, he. Fixed Daniel Jones. He fixed him. You've heard that. I don't know who you've heard it from. I promise you've heard it from somebody. Right? So, you'll get people who are like, well, you know, Ken Dorsey coached Josh Allen. If we could bring him in with our guys, I mean, maybe we, you know... Like, that's what it is. And th- this is back, once again, to the point I was making not too long ago about... <laughs> When the bills were terrible and you're just cycling through guys. There are teams that are so bad. They're like, well, you know, I mean, shit, this guy coach, Josh Allen, they were humming. Let's throw the dart at the board and, and see if it sticks. Maybe this guy can come in here and, and, and make some magic, right? That's the difference between, between where the bills are at right now. And all the other teams typically looking for a head coaching position. It's like, you know, you hear this with uh, the, the big one recently has been, um, There's two big ones recently that stick out to me uh, with teams that have been successful, but have not been ultimately, you know, they they haven't been where they want to be. It's Brandon Staley and the LA chargers and it's Mike McCarthy and the Dallas Cowboys, the Brandon Staley. one I get the Brandon Staley, one I get, this is the first year they've made the playoffs with him as the coach with uh, Justin Herbert at quarterback. And um, they blew a 27 to nothing lead. That, like, I get it. You've had a hell of a great roster pretty much the entire time you've been the coach. You haven't made the playoffs till this year. When you do, you give up the, the, the second biggest playoff uh, blown lead in, in, in what, history? Second or third, was it? I think it was the third, maybe. You, you give up the third biggest lead in, in playoff history. Okay, I, I, I get that one. They're keeping Brandon Staley. This year, though, I mean, once again, another guy. This is the year for him. I mean, this is a year. Staley is probably coaching for his job this year. I would imagine. Mike McCarthy's another one. You know, what's funny is that Mike McCarthy, believe it or not, comparatively to what the adult, the, the Cowboys had been and what they were not in, in the not-so-far-off uh, past when, when uh, Jason Garrett was the coach, they've been better with Mike McCarthy. They've been better. They've been better. And a lot of people were clamoring for Mike McCarthy's job last year. Kind of quiet down a bit when they beat the Bucs. Then you heard it get tuned up again when they lost to uh, the Niners. Now, the difference with that one is, you know, you got Jerry Jones. So you're constantly hearing inside information from the owner. Whereas I, I don't think I've heard... Terry Pagula. Have you, so I swear to God, have you heard Terry Pagula like, like speak really since he, since he's owned the pills? It, never. You never do. Now that's more common than what Jerry Jones does, which is speak far too often. Um, but Jerry Jones has reassured Mike McCarthy staying, but one domino has fell has fallen. Right? Kellen Moore just got fired. The Dallas Cowboys offensive coordinator just got fired. Now, typically, usually one dom well, not usually, almost always, one domino falls before the whole damn line of them do, right? So, to me, that's a bit more telling. Whereas of course with the Bills, if all of a sudden you woke up tomorrow and Leslie Frazier was fired, then you'd really start to you'd really start to have it click in you that yeah, I mean this is this is uh put up or shut up time. Right? Aerodem Aerodem six, is that Arrow error six. I think I got that. Have you seen the schedule next season? <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah, you know I've tried not to think about that all that much because it is a it is a rough, rough schedule. If you haven't really looked into it um, extensively, I'll read it, I'll read it aloud to you, or I'll um I'll download it and put it up. You know, and the other thing too, uh, on top of the schedule being um, tough, is the Bills also lose a home game. Uh, playing in uh, London this year, <laughs> so it they they're getting no favors this coming year. Um, pull let me pull this up. Let me see one second. We'll go over this because th- this is another thing where it's just like back to the window conversation that we constantly have, right, with Josh Allen. You look at you look at the teams that are getting better, right? And then you look at what the Bills have to deal with, you know, cap wise. Which, by the way, the cap did go up today. If you didn't see the cap, uh, each team's cap space went up pretty dramatically. Actually, Um, we get the exact number for you right now. Bills would even with the cap increase, the Bills are still over the cap, but the uh, the cap. The cap space increase per team by $16.6 which is the biggest jump in one year since 2006. And, I mean, you're going to start seeing that, which is nice. With all the gambling money pouring in and then the new TV deals, uh, there's going to be a significant increase in cap space. And, obviously, we're we're seeing that now, like I'm seeing here from uh, Ian Rappaport. This is the biggest increase in in 17 years. So, it's now – $224.8 $224.8 million. but even with that cap increase, the Bills are still over the cap. They still have work to do. So, you know, yeah, it's going up. That's great. But the, it's still, you know, the Bills still have a lot of work to do to figure out, uh, you know, what they're going to do this coming season as far as who they're going to keep, who they're not, and, and who they're going to bring in. Um, Makes it a bit easier. Definitely doesn't make it easy. And what's not easy, of course, is uh, on top of all that, the opponents are gonna have to face. I mean, this is the this is the upcoming schedule. Um the away the away slate is 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 quite quite brutal at first glance. So you're gonna have to play both Super Bowl teams, both uh, the AFC and the NFC representative in the Super Bowl. You're gonna have to play both them on the road, which Consequently, also happen to be probably the two most hostile environments in the NFL outside of Buffalo. You got to go back on the road to the Bengals. The Chargers, who are only getting better. Then, of course, the three AFC East opponents on the road. The only like not all that difficult game that seemingly doesn't seem all that difficult right now is Washington. And even they this year weren't, weren't bad, you know. And then at home, who's going to be quarterback for the Raiders? Will they be significantly better? Will Russell Wilson get back into stride? Will they be back to uh, a sound, a soundly run team? Potential there? Cowboys are tough. That'll be fun. When's the last time? Uh, well, I actually, I remember. Last time the Cowboys played in uh, in Buffalo. Wasn't it that Sunday nighter or that Monday nighter there? That all-time loss? Bills had on the uh, the uh, 50th anniversary uniforms. Romo had like five picks that game. They still won. Uh, but anyhow, uh, you know, Giants not an easy out. That's Dable. Nobody knows them better. Jaguars, uh, they're they're a. Uh, I mean, I, I I'm buying a lot of Jaguars stock. There's a lot that I like about Jacksonville. Uh, Cots, uh or um, on the opposite train of thought. The Bucks just seem to be getting worse, but it's still not an easy game. And then, and then you got the three AFCs games. I mean, it's not, it's not like the most insane thing I've ever seen this schedule, but it is. That is, there's nothing easy about that schedule at all. And then, like I said earlier, you're you're, move, you're moving a, you're moving a home game over to England. So I can't even fathom next season though. Right now, I can't really. Zap, God bless you. Don't think that's, you don't think that's a scary schedule? I don't know. That away slate is tough. That away slate is tough. But then again, though, you know what, man? We look at these schedules like last year or coming into this year. I, I remember I we went through and ranked like the toughest games what we thought would be the toughest games. And I had like the uh, – I think I had the Rams game ranked like the second toughest game. Like, we don't know. We have no idea. Like, if that schedule had come, if that was the same schedule coming into this year, like, if that 2023 schedule was coming into this year, I would have had the Broncos game ranked like the third toughest. Little did we know they were going to be one of the worst teams in the league. Coming into this year, I had, like, the Titans game ranked up there and the Rams game ranked up there. Those just happened to be the two most dominant wins the Bills had all year. So who the hell knows? That schedule could be super easy or that schedule could be 10 times tougher than we even think it is right now. Who knows? I just, I can't think about it right now. I can't. I I mean, even like walking in with, you know, in here with all the gear, all all the memorabilia, walking into the room here. I I just, I look at it and I'm like, you know, like you watch yesterday, you watch yesterday and the Bills aren't in it. You know, and then you walk into here and you're just like, oh, you just feel defeated. You know, you look at the wall and you're just like, for a few reasons, right? Obviously because of how it ended, but then you realize you don't even get a crack at redeeming that shit show last week. You don't even get a crack at redeeming that for like seven months. Ugh. All right. Man, we were like, we had like a really consistent, strong crowd in here tonight. You guys are the bomb. I mean, the fact that we were able to keep this many people in the smoke break. I don't even know what I'm calling this. The bot, the bot, the bot barricade, whatever we want to call it. In fact, we had that rocking crowd here tonight, even a week after the season's over. I love that because we're going to have some fun stuff coming your way this, uh, this offseason. So. The fact that we got a great crowd a week after the season's over is awesome to see. And we're kicking that off in style next week on Monday. Like I said, Monday afternoon, I'm pre-recording with Matt Mitchell for a Super Bowl betting preview with uh, one of the big producers from the action network. So like I said, at the top of the show, do me a favor on your way out, go to the comment section, not the live chat section here, but the comment section and leave me a comment about, uh, you know, something to do with the, Sports gambling or the betting on the Super Bowl. And if you have a question, more importantly, leave that question in the comment section and I'll relay those questions to Matt Mitchell in our conversation next week. Uh, and then once again, like I said, next week's smoke break, not live, pre recorded, but it will be airing during your reg- regular scheduled slot, 8 p.m. So make sure to check that out. That's going to be a super fun one. And then when I'm back with you live, it'll be after the super bowl be interesting to see hopefully the game's good let's go eagles but more importantly go bills enjoy that betting preview next week and make sure to leave a comment down below thanks for tuning in everybody peace